For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Just very quickly, before I go and do anything with regards to the newspapers, one of the topics we were talking about yesterday, of course, were issues involving a very dangerous area of road down Killaway, uh, and I'm talking about Burgess service station area. Uh, crash after crash after crash, and many crashes, injuries, and fatalities down there. Uh, and yesterday morning I was chatting about the fact that people were... Uh, somebody said it was a two-car crash uh, in the past 48 hours. Somebody else said it was a four-car crash. One person got in touch with say that it was his partner uh, who was involved in the crash and taken to the CUH. A bit of bad news for you this morning because another crash in the area being reported this morning. Actually, I think James, uh, who's down in that area on hands-free, joins me by phone. James, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm, I'm so grateful to you for stopping by and coming on the air. What can you tell us about that very treacherous part of the road? Well, I just passed about 10 minutes ago. There's a car in the middle of the road with one passenger and the first responders are with her. And there's another stop to the jeep and car up on the verge after me blowing up. Oh, for God's sake. And no cabs or anything yet. They must be on the way. Okay, so two-car crash, one staying in the middle yes. of the road, the other on the verge, yes. first on responders the there. Yes, that's it, yeah. Okay. Yes. Does it look like a bad crash? No, it, it looks like the, the car on the verge got a, a bit of a, a right flat, but the lady in the middle of the road, the first responders are just holding her, sitting her up, so hopefully... Oh, for God's sake. Not, uh, and James, is that a part of the road that you drive regularly? Nearly every single morning, then. All right. And what do you make of it? I mean, tell me how dangerous it is. It seems to be when people are exiting barges or driving into barges, the cars coming from the waterfront side or the car side, they just last minute either don't see them or whatever. It's usually they're hit coming out or going in. When you go in and out of that service station, does it involve having to cross the actual road in the car or the vehicle? It, it, when you're going from the waterfront side, you go to the middle of the, the roadway. So and, you're queuing to get in that way. And then you're crossing, is it? And then you're crossing the, the, out, the other side coming from car. Oh, so you are crossing oncoming traffic then. And vice versa, coming out to go to car, you're crossing the cars heading down the aisleway. And are you aware that there's been numerous crashes there and unfortunately... Yeah, I come across them. <laughs> I actually come across them a lot, man, to be honest. It, it's, it's insane that they haven't done anything, you know, because it's just not... You would be... There's a lot of people very nervous about that road. And there is a lot of speed on it, you know. It's That's a main right. road. It's a main road. And you can build up speed, you know what it's I mean? It's a main road. Yeah. That wouldn't be used to it. Wouldn't realise how dangerous it actually is. Okay, yet another crash there this morning. Listen, James, I'll let you get on safely, but okay. thanks for taking the call. Much obliged. No problem. Take Have care. a good day. Bye, you too. Bye, Take bye, care. Bye. Another crash at uh, the Burgess's entrance and exit to the service station. And this is not in any way connected with the service station. They're entitled to run their business. But yesterday morning, we were reporting that I think they have expedited some kind of a process to try and do something in that area and the different players, Seamus was telling me yesterday uh, that the County Council and those involved in road design and you know road safety are, are, were going down there yesterday to look at how that area could be designed to make it more safe because it really is a problem area and yet again uh, another crash there and you know what it won't be long before there's another fatality uh, the Transport Infrastructure Ireland engineers, thanks Kevin 
they were there yesterday looking at it. So I hope that they do a lot more than look at it with another crash this morning. I'm sure that they will get stuck in and fix it, make it safer for everybody. Um, and please, please, uh, you know, proceed with caution down there, whatever you do. Slow down and be just aware of your surroundings, particularly as we head into the winter when the roads will get uh, greasy and wetter and visibility won't be the best. Uh, in other news this morning, our lines are open actually on that and all other stories. Text 0868104106. Today is CAO Day and from 2 p.m. today, offers will be made. The Independent this morning says that many students who set the Leaving Certificate and want to go to college will have a knife-edge finish. Uh, you think it was a sport, but it's not. You think you were gambling or doing the lottery, but you're not. But yet, students who will have met the points required for a course may lose out in a random computerized lottery selection. Can you believe it? Uh, too many looking for the same courses. So many with the actual points needed for it could well be denied it um, and uh, might have to go for another selection themselves. So computer will select those who will receive an offer. Uh, and that comes as uh, cold comfort in more ways than one in the times we live in with fuel and energy to students who have their eye on one particular course. But doesn't it really show that the college system is totally and utterly flawed and broken? Because I heard this morning that the advice to students is to accept the college offer that you're given, even if it's not your first choice or perhaps even your second choice. So that makes no sense whatsoever to me because what's the point of accepting an offer for a course that you're not interested in? I mean, the chances are you're going to drop out of it or you're going to end up following a career that absolutely bores you to death. And it just goes to show how the college system and the race for places in courses that you've no interest in in it's just absolutely flawed. I mean, it suits the colleges because they make huge amounts of money. But for the students, it's doing them a total disservice. Meanwhile, you've got to say that our government continues to do us a, a total disservice. I have no particular grow for the British Conservative Party or British politics in any way, shape or form. But there are serious comparisons to be made this morning between here and the UK. Now, um, hard-hit families will get another energy credit uh, in the budget, they're saying. Some are suggesting we might get another €200. Euro. Mind you, one or two of the red tops this morning are suggesting it could be as high as a 500 euro energy credit. That's what the sun is saying this morning. Everybody's calling it a cold war. Uh, so prices will continue to skyrocket. And yesterday, of course, Energia got in ahead of the gig and they, they announced. It's hard to believe the amounts, though. I mean, you think that it's a misprint when you hear that Energia announced fresh increases of 47% yesterday. 47%. Uh, that's how much they put up the prices. Not for the first time, but for the second time this year. Um, and Energy is only the latest energy firm to announce price hikes of that amount. Uh, many of the competitors have already done so. And more are promising even higher ones. The government has said we've got $2 billion to bail out and to help to pay bills across the winter. But if that comes down to €200 credit or even, say, €500, and I also see this morning that uh, Richard Boyd Barrett says that it should be a a €1,000 credit, should that be wiped out straight away when you look at the latest increases in energy, sorry, pardon me, in... in, um, uh, in uh, interest rates that have just been announced um, because the European Central Bank, according to the Independent this morning, is going to deliver another hammer blow to homeowners with a second rise in interest rates today. So it'll be another three quarters of a percent. So on an average mortgage, that will add 900 a year at least to a tracker mortgage, right? So whatever you're getting, by the way, of a couple hundred euro in fuel, 
uh, credits gone straight away if you have a mortgage. So the papers this morning then talk about, um, you know, uh, Irish households and, and how they're going to handle it um, and whether this war chest is enough. But so I mentioned that they say maybe up to three million to help with regards to cost of living. But if you look at the UK, uh, the Times UK this morning, I was talking about this yesterday. Liz Truss, who's now the prime minister there, will reveal quite a lot of stuff today, including... Um, they're saying that, say, the average UK household energy costs will rise um, to about £3,500 uh, by the 1st of October. And by January, people in the UK could be paying up to £5,000 a year for uh, energy costs. That would be light, heat, fuel, gas, oil, whatever the case may be. So what she has now said is that instead of somebody paying five grand a year, it will be limited to €2,500. And it will actually be less than that because they will give a £400 rebate. So the highest that anybody, and this would be the highest that anybody in the UK would pay, would be £2,100 per year. And they're guaranteed that. How will they do it? British government will take out loans, apparently, and pay it back at some other stage or... (laughs) I know other generations will pay it back. But in the short term, that's how they're going to do it. They're going to limit and put a cap on fuel costs. The government will then pay the energy providers the balance. But at least people will know that their energy costs have been frozen for two years and they won't be frozen. It will be £2,100. Why don't they think of something like that here? I mean, that, that sounds like a very logical way forward in the times that we're living in. Uh, your papers also this morning talk of... Um, Uh, Enoch Burke, because he has said that he will stay in prison and he will remain in prison after telling the High Court that he will not and never obey an injunction preventing him from attending or teaching at his school. And of course, the Red Tops love to say this is all to do with the teacher who refuses to address a student as they uh, will remain behind bars. So we were talking about that on air yesterday. And also, you've got to believe that uh, there's good times ahead in the music department, certainly for the next couple of weeks, because Garth Brooks, in a very grainy photograph making the Red Tops today, landed in Dublin Airport yesterday uh, ahead of his Krog Park gigs. And there's lots of different stories as the thunder rolls in. Uh, there's a story in the mirror this morning talking about Garth Crooks, uh, because Garth Brooks himself is warning people don't buy tickets from rip-off touts. Uh, because he said they're going to be flogging passes online for five times their face value. God only knows why anybody would want to buy a ticket from a tout when you can buy cheaper tickets on Ticketmaster for like 80 euro. Uh, And be very careful of buying something online because they probably won't arrive on time. Uh, So he's going to throw the kitchen sink at all five gigs. And if you ever saw the, uh, you know, two or three, was it a two-part or a four-part documentary of Garth Brooks on, on Netflix? It's very strong, but you can see uh, the kind of calibre gig that he does. It is really a kitchen sink gig, and all of the gigs will be a cracker. So, uh, paper talk about it in, in general. I'll drill into the whole uh, Garth Brooks thing tomorrow morning on the programme. But it's interesting also to see uh, people's continuing fascination with people in jail because the mail this morning, You know, recently we were talking about the food, Recently, then, we were talking about the television bills uh, with regards to prisons and prisoners. This morning, they're looking at the amount of money uh, spent on books. Uh, €500,000 spent on jail books over the past three years uh, for prisoners. They just love those kind of stories. And then they drilled into what kind of books are they reading. Well, they love fantasy. Well, I suppose you would tend to go into a bit of fantasy world if you were in prison and, you know, 
your time was your own, but your freedom was not. But they also say that what's very popular with regards to prison books include action, adventure, thrillers, crime, mystery, horror, and science fiction. So the whole lot. But one of the ones that apparently is in very big demand within the Irish prison system, according to the Mail this morning, is Paul Williams' book about the convicted murderer, Graham Dwyer. Uh, it was banned from the library in the prison uh, where he was held. Uh, but it's very, very popular, the book called Almost a Perfect Murder, The Killing of Elaine O'Hara. Uh, very, very popular, popular book by all account, um, but banned in certain prisons. So it's one of the ones that they'd like to read. In some prisons they can, and in others they can't. And just finally, uh, with the frugal times we live in, this is a funny one from online, where a mother now has gone off and bought a printing machine, not for printing paper, but for ironing designs on clothing. Um, and what she's doing now is she is... Uh, Firstly, and I think she's rolling this out to the public in the UK, but, you know, all of it, say, like she got all of the cheaper clothes that she would have bought, say, in the likes of, I suppose, pennies, and she is um, printing Nike logos on pennies t shirts, which I think is a great idea. So she makes Nike ticks and logos, and as the machine that irons them on, so you can get a two, two pound or a two euro or a three euro pennies t shirt. But not just that, apparently. Uh, also putting it on gear bags and all sorts of logos and other parts of his her son's clothing. She even now is, um, start, uh, not that there's much demand anymore, um, but is putting the Nike logo on face masks. <laughs> I mean, it's a good idea, isn't it? I don't know what Nike think about it. She might get a letter in the post claiming copyright infringement. I don't know. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM. Now, yet another crash down around that area in Killer. Interestingly, a texter from Mallow says, can't come on the air, but I've been listening to you regarding the Killer accidents and crashes. People saying it's a dangerous road. Yes, it is, but it's not the road. It's the road users are the problem. There's no care and attention uh, on that road when people are pulling in and pulling out of the petrol station. They, in turn then, make it dangerous for the person that's coming against them that they end up crashing into. It's all about lack of care, lack of attention. I live on the Mallow Road, and I was talking about the Mallow Road yesterday morning. I live on the Mallow Road, and I find it excellent to drive. Yes, people do crash into the barriers, but it's not the barrier's fault, it's the driver. I am by no means belittling the accidents you've been talking about as we as a family have lost members to road accidents. Sorry to hear that. But drivers are the problem, not the roads. People just need to pay more attention, says Tom in Mallow. Thanks for that text. Keep them coming. Text 0868104106. Well, you heard in the news this morning, and I was talking about it yesterday as to whether or not they'd have the uh, Christmas lights turned on. Other people are suggesting that there could well be in the papers are also talking about um, actual power being turned off at different times of the day when we get into the middle of winter. All the Michal Martin has said, that won't happen. But whether or not there would be actual shutdown of power at times because of shortages, who knows? Um, but I know that we're all kind of suffering with regards to what's to come and everybody is thinking of ways of, you know, different hacks to save money or keep the lights out or, you know, keep the bills down. But I couldn't help but think what it must have been like for business. And I know that businesses are struggling, but could you imagine businesses that use huge amounts of power? Um, even even your likes of your restaurants or your cafes or your coffee shops where they literally have boilers going all day and they're heating water all day. But then I was thinking about bakeries that would have big, big ovens going for long, long periods of time uh, and what it must be like with regards to them regarding their own power and their energy costs. So we put in a call to Jack Cuthbert's bakery and Jack himself joins him by phone. He's done a comparison between this year and last year. Jack, good morning. 
Neil, how are you? I'm good, my man. Were you, were you shocked at the, Were you shocked at the difference year on year? Um, well, it kind of evolved, I suppose. You know, we were shocked initially that when we were looking at, you know, when we were kind of forecasting what was going to come as we would every year. But um, and all the signs were that it's going to skyrocket. And but sometimes you'd you'd hope that wouldn't be as bad as they were saying. You know, yeah, but, uh, yeah. definitely if you compare last last take twelve months like I looked at a while ago, there's. Um, like the gas has gone up 96%, electricity 110%, and as we heard this morning on the electric, you know, on your own show, uh, 47% more to hit again, you know, so I just, you know, I don't know where it's going to end. What does that mean? Okay, so if you combine the gas and the electric, both yeah, of them, yeah. it's a 100% increase this time last mm-hmm. year. What does it break That's down? Right. What does that break down to per month, for instance? And as um, a percentage of this? No, actual euro. Oh, in euro. Oh, sure. I thought on, on that alone, you're you're looking at you know five grand, five grand a month just on that on those two. And um, you also have things like the flour, which is. Uh, oh, well, just bearing in mind, just the gas, because uh, yeah. Seamus sir, Kevin was telling me that the gas yeah. was three thousand three hundred a month last year. Yeah. Now it's yeah. six thousand three hundred, so that's doubled. Yeah. Electricity and was two thousand seven hundred a month, and now it's five thousand yeah. three hundred a month. Yeah, yeah. So it's double, and but it's uh, between them, it's a hundred percent increase, right? Yeah. But there hasn't so been, an, but there hasn't been a one hundred percent increase, for instance, on the cost of a loaf, has there? No, well, I suppose you'd have to break down what the percentage of gas and electricity is per load. Pro- you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it 18, 20%? So then you have, we say, 100% of your 20%, which is 2% more, going, you know. But overall, we, we got a 9% increase and then 6% increase um, in the last 14 months. Um, but it's, n- it's nowhere, nowhere near. Can bakers not just put up the cost of a loaf to whatever they want? Is it controlled? No. Well, you can put it up, but I suppose I'm dealing with the the multiples now, and I won't name any anyone or anything. But uh, I'm dealing with the, the the big supermarkets, and when 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 we meet, it's like they know before we do what the commodities are going to do. You know, well, which way it's going. Oh, so you very, you very, have to uh, yeah, you have to any increase has to be agreed by the big multinationals. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and you can't just go up and say All right, you Thirty percent at least, you know, you'd have to back it up with figures, and like they're retailing a lot of the ingredients that we use here, so they're obviously um, they're well ahead of the game, you know, with knowledge and so on. So they know exactly where, you know, how much we we'd need and so on. But in fairness, we didn't have a problem getting the six percent and then or the seven percent and the nine percent um, over the last fourteen months. But it's really only after it helped, but it's not what's good, you know. Oh my God! So when you combine gas and electric, one hundred percent dearer than this time no. last year. I mean, no. does that? And, I mean, do you, I mean, does that give you stressful days and nights? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I suppose it, it, that's just on the energy, Neil. But uh, you know, on the ingredient side, we've been hit with every because I'll give you an example. I was at the Whitworth in Manchester last. Um, what, when I, about two weeks ago um, about the price because I saw that commodity that, that fluctuates you know you could um, you might get a little window where you could go and try to haggle obviously but uh, try to get a dealer lock in for a while but when I did say when I did say look I saw that the, the wheat has come down a little bit and so, immediately they said Jack um, the power the usage power usage and the cost of labour and the, every single thing has gone up so much 
that you know just up the flower is going still. Yeah. You know, regardless of the commodity, that's that's not even the the problem. It's the the, the cost of power. You yeah. Know? So you can uh, get you you can get flour, but had issues with um, sunflower seeds or issues with oil. I think was it. Well, sunflower seeds is, is something now that two weeks ago the, our supplier didn't have because, and couldn't give us a, time, a, a, a lead time on um, getting the product in uh, because they weren't able to get a lead time themselves. So I did source it from another company in the north and, you know, okay, we have stock, but, you know, going forward, I think, you know, even if you look at Cato and, uh, you know, using sunflower oil mm. for their... Crisps. And they only use... Sun, apparently, you know, I, I, I can't, I'm not quoting, but I'm just saying something, talking about something that I read. But uh, they, that there's a fear they won't be able to get the sunflower oil. You know, it's not about paying for it even. It's, you know, availability, you know. It's insane, isn't it? It's insane. Yeah, I mean, obviously, other, other businesses are experiencing the same kind of increases oh, as yours. Are. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm at this now 44 years. I've never seen anything like this, you know? Never, never, yeah. Including through recession, including the energy oh, crisis just, in the... <laughs> yeah, I was, I, I, I've had, we had a recession in the 80s and, you know, and, and 07 with the crash and so on. <clears throat> but, you know, it, this is definitely different because I think you, there's no light at the end of the time. Like, nobody's giving us any hope, you know? And uh, that's, I suppose we all expect, you know, you know peaks and ebbs and flows, like, like with business and with inflation yeah. and things yeah. like that, but at the moment it's just from every angle it's it's very hard. Any wages going up and and rightly so for 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 the guys you know that working because the cost of living to them is it's hammering them as as well. Like, but there's know? no talking to the energy providers, is there? Do businesses get an opportunity to try and lock in deals mm-hmm. or haggle with them? No. Well, no. Well, well, you do, but the thing is, sometimes it's it's not worth your while. Like I I did lock in. Um, going back last October to um, February with gas and so on and okay I saved a few quid but uh, then this, well, once we were out of the lock in I couldn't lock in again because at that time it, it was just um, unpredictable and we weren't sure and they weren't sure either but um, I'm sh- w- w- I locked in with we said like the flower and up to September but as I said in September I was trying to um, get some sort of a better price and lock in or some sort of a stability yeah. not even a better that I know where I was in six months time or yeah. something um, but do you worry about the, where you will be in six months time um, I think Neil you know I worry about how, how difficult it's going to get to pay everybody every week I've 20 here now you know um, I had 42 going back um, about three years ago but we cut her all out like basically I, I had 13 vans on the road um, which you couldn't maintain really because it's just skyrocket even then yeah. but now I, I'd be closed so I use um, Brian you know he, distributed. he was on yeah. with you there one morning he was bread. Brian yeah, yeah 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 yeah. just to remind uh, people it's Jack Cutper's bread goes into the likes of yeah. uh, the Long Valley for the sandwiches <laughs> and what have you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 but um, in fairness um, he does he is 18 vans above there and I think most of them are owner drive but he does the distribution for me so that's a cost that's cut down for me it's cheaper for me to do it that way yeah. and it's the only way I can get my bread to market you know because yeah, we supply every corner of Kirk you know yeah, yeah. So, how did you how did you start Start out. It was a, it was a family business, wasn't it? No, there was there was Cutler's Bakery in uh, Bishopstown, and so that they were cousins of mine. Yeah, right. But I I started out uh, when I was fourteen, um, and I I left school and went to McCarthy's Bakery on Nightwork for six and a half years. McCarthy's didn't they have a shop in Dawn Square? They did. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So you um, went into the bakery of, side of that, is it? The nights. I did. I started as an apprenticeship, uh, half past one in the morning to around ten or half past. 
And uh, for but it was a six day week that time, you know. And um, I was listening to the other day talking to guys who left school when they were young and so on. I, you know, I suppose the school were glad to get rid of me because uh, as when I met teachers afterwards and they said the first thing they ever time they ever heard about counselling was when I was gone from the school. But it wasn't for me; it was for themselves. <laughs> it just didn't suit you. <laughs> Oh no, and I was listening to Paul Byrne and I could identify with everything Paul was saying about anxiety and it, it just was not, I, I was looking out the window watching the, t- I just wanted to get home, get home and do some, made a small farm and, uh, in Ballinock and uh, a small, it was a market garden. And I Oh yeah, because the little birdie told me you were selling fruit and veg to Cudmore's, you know? I was. <laughs> I, well, I remember, Neil, going in on the bus with my mother. We picked the French beans. We get the number 10 bus into town and deliver in the French beans in the Cudmores. Then we'd go down to Drummies. That was our trip down to Drummies then and buy. Do you remember the rubber dollies? I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> the best. No, I, I, hope, I hope the revenue aren't listening. No, but we, we'd, spend it, we'd spend it straight away. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And do you know what, Neil? I, one, thing, one thing I think is missed. Genuinely, I, I'm not for these recessions or anything, obviously, like, but I think, you know, they say, you know, that necessity is the invention of all, uh, is, is the mother of all invention and so on. But we, we had no fridge, so the, the, the butter was inside and the, the, the water in a tin under, in the, you know, with a, with a, a leaf over it and so on. So we, it's not that we were desperate, we, we had a great childhood, but we were living in a very small uh, cottage in Ballinock and, uh, and we had, you know, the, the butter was in, and the milk was in. We no fridge, no washing machine, and so on. And but we had great fun. Yeah. Great fun. And I yeah. think today, unless it's electronic or something, I think when people get older, they they expect things to happen for them rather than trying to make it happen or yeah. help it. You know, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. genuinely, you know, you that was the thing. So yeah, I, I left. I started in the bakery. Then I went to I, I went everywhere. Fitzgeralds, O'Keefe's. And um, Donnelly's, I worked in all the bakeries in Cork, Haddon's, Donnelly's uh, mostly. But, um, and then in 93, I got £3,000 for the credit union. I was living in um, Lake Van Crescent in Matin, and I went up and got £3,000 for the credit union and started. Um, very small, no, like very, very small, obviously. And Bought a van for €100, Euros, and now you wouldn't be able to do it today, I know. Oh, I know. That was 1993. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, where I was in, but I'm fifth generation at it, yeah. 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 And, the so, rest um, is, and the rest is history, and hopefully it will continue history, for, yeah. hopefully it'll continue for many generations to come, you know. My son is here now, yeah, he's, he's running the floor there now, yeah. Jack, Grist yeah. to the mill. Well, look after yourself, <laughs> yeah. my man, and keep the ovens on. Hopefully, yeah. So I, I, I wouldn't be too, I, I think it's going to be very tough next six months I don't know we none of us know but um, I just think we have to try to hopefully try to you know well apparently right the amount of people that are contacting MABS the Money and Advice Bureau oh, services I believe it yeah, yeah it's yeah. through and the roof apparently it's a terrible point yeah. 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 And, and, one, and one of the issues of course is um, wondering how they can juggle to pay different bills and that's what they need the help of that's MABS right. for because right. you yeah. could have seven or eight different bills coming in and you wonder which one do you prioritise you know these are the worries yeah, That's the but Neil, another like we were, you know, it, we were never making millions or anything. But even when I moved down to Middleton first day here, I put in four ICB tanks for harvesting the water and mm. use the water that I harvest for washing bands mm. and the yard and the shit, you know, mm. the workshops and so on. And you know, 
I, th- I think every little bit that you can put your own to, to help the thing you must do you know well they're saying that people should they're say, I mean I hate to be the harbinger of doom and gloom but they're saying that people should log all of their spending now and start writing yeah. down everything they're spending Revolut is very good for that actually it will actually if you have a Revolut, yeah. uh, Revolut app yeah. on your Take phone because, yeah. 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 And, and they're and saying cut out all subscriptions yeah. get rid of all subscriptions for now exactly. because that's yeah. kind of luxury spending in some cases yeah we're, we're we're spending beyond our means. I know it's nothing true with what's happening today, but yeah, uh, yeah. definitely I think we need to do what we can for ourselves as well. You know, okay. it's, very, it's right. not easy. Like, yeah, All right, my man, I'll let you get back Listen, to it. So you don't don't burn the loaf. Take care, Jack. Cheers. <laughs> Jack bye, Cuthbert, bye, bye. Cuthbert's Bakery. That's an incredible increase, isn't it? Say gas from 3,300 of the month last year is now 6,300 of the month. Electricity last year was 2,700 a month. Now it's 5,300 a month. But you wouldn't have seen the the, um, corresponding increases in bread prices in no way, shape or form. Uh, Text 0868104106 back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. Yet another text. I'm interested in some of the texts that come in because this is another one similar to uh, somebody else in the past who's been saying that everyone should cancel their direct debit to energy companies and Tess is saying that in a text. I'm not so sure I'm just not following why you would want to do that. If you cancel the direct debit all you're going to do is the bill will keep increasing and you'll find yourself in huge amounts of debt. Imagine you're saying cancel the direct debit and pay whatever you can or if everybody cancelled their direct debits what would they do about that? It would be too big a problem for them to do anything about but I'm just wondering whether that just curious as to why you would think cancelling a direct debit would be a good thing because three or four months down the road you would just be left with a colossal debt that ultimately would have to be paid. Uh, The Irish government have no shame. Men, women, children being thrown out onto the streets, evicted from their homes, homeless and forgotten about. Old age pensioners afraid to put on their heating because they can't pay for it. People between the age of 30 and 60 are not thought about if they're working for a pittance and they're entitled to absolutely nothing. We're all on the garbage tip. Doesn't matter who you are, we are not wanted in our own country. Now, the texture says it's a total disgrace. They can't sort anything out here. Homelessness, hospitals, housing crisis, people struggling in general. But sure, they've worked very hard and need an extra few grand in their own pockets, the politicians, and they'll put up um, disability and social welfare, maybe by a fiver. The best country in the world, says he. And just an example of how difficult people find it. An emailer got in touch saying, um, with regard to the way things are um, in tears uh, wanted to send an email because I'm currently in tears from the state of this country I'm nursing she says working 40 plus hours a week and still live with my parents because I simply cannot afford uh, the price of rent on top of that the cost of living and the money I'm putting away say for instance for my car car needed for work today while in work an employee from East Africa who was here just 18 months informed me She's happy to be able to cut her hours to 20 hours a week. As such, she no longer has to pay for her GP as the council has given her a new two-bed apartment and a medical card. I have Irish friends nine years waiting on the council housing list with kids and they're all crammed into one house. I was born here. I love this country so much. My whole life and family are here. But in January, myself and my partner will jet off to Australia with no intention of ever looking back. As much as it kills me to leave my family, I can no longer stay here. Myself and so many others are working overtime to just about live. I've had friends who've recently had to do the unwanted and move back in with their parents at the age of 28 because they can't afford the increases in rent 
and cost of living. Yet people are flying into the country receiving everything and we can't even get as much as a pay increase. Uh, The government have ruined this place completely for me and so many other young people. They'll have a lot to answer for soon because at least 40 other Irish nurses, care assistants and doctors I've befriended are also leaving to emigrate to Canada and Australia. They are pushing us to breaking point. Don't give out my details for obvious reasons regarding my work. I mean, that's an astounding... And it's, it is so true. So many nurses and so many doctors and so many people in healthcare professions and indeed a lot of other professions besides are going to Canada, Australia and New Zealand. And they're being encouraged to go by those countries and being encouraged to go by Ireland. But I was just trying to figure out why the employee who's here in this country 18 months cut her hours to 20 hours a week. Um, she was able to cut her hours to 20 hours a week because she had been given a house, a new, new two-bedroom apartment, got a medical card, and her expenses would be vastly lower. So therefore, she didn't have to work as hard. That must be heartbreaking for you to witness that. Really, and truly, I just have no answer to it. It must be absolutely heartbreaking uh, when you see that, particularly somebody you're saying to me was only in the country for 18 months. Anyway, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Um, always happy to share your story. Sean, good morning. Uh, good morning, Neil. I'm also wondering, with the way things are, do you think that there will be um, rationing of, of fuel and you know the turning off of, of uh, electricity across the winter? And, and if so, should people be looking at a generator? What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, well, my daughter told me that a year ago to buy a generator, you know, and I was laughing at her. Not not to run it all of the time, but in case power goes. Yeah, absolutely. I agree, Neil, because, um, I mean, the only problem is in a semi-detached house, they're noisy and you just wonder, you know, how your neighbours would feel about it. You true, know? true. I don't know what would happen in that regard, but... Um, yeah, the way they away. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, just, I'm just curious because I heard of somebody yesterday who was going out to buy a generator just to have it on standby. But anyway, go yeah. ahead. What's on your mind? Uh, no, I'm just, I mean, my, my point really is that we brought this on ourselves here in this country with the energy situation, you know. I mean, every other country in Europe now has um, liquid, um, liquid gas, you know, and they're fully stocked up with it, you know. And we have zero here, you know, and... Um, they won't even build the tanks up in the Shannon Estuary, you know. So where's our gas know? just comes directly in by pipe, does it? It's not stored anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The other thing we've done is that we've closed down um, the generating stations um, up in the Midlands. That's where we're burning turf, you know. Uh, we've closed down um, <coughs> other <coughs> other stations as well. They're, they're not working. They're not and is all of that because yet. of the Greens then, not to be burning turf, Absolutely. And turf and totally. coal? Absolutely, it's it? a green ideology that's driving it. You know, and uh, basically, like the government, we voted ourselves off to blame. Like, Neil Martin is green, he supports it. Labour Adler supports it, the same as the, the Greens. And uh, the, the government legislated for it, and we voted for the government. So, basically, we have only ourselves to blame, you know. So, if we, were, um, if we continue to run those generators, create our own power by use of turf and coal, we wouldn't be at the mercy of the energy providers then. We'd be generating our own. Yeah, but I mean, Neil, we have our own oil and gas. We have oil off Barry Row in West Cork, and yeah. we won't we won't explore for it. They That's an amazing point because I dealt with that on the air a few months ago, and there I don't know the quantity of it, but it is absolutely vast, isn't it? It's we bend. Imagine we bend the exploration of gas and oil, uh, our own resources. We were told in school when I was young that we had no natural resources here. 
<laughs> and it, we've discovered, like, we're surrounded by it. Off Kinsale. Yeah. Kinsale. And it's off the, the, you know, the bank as well, that, uh, that other place. Can I just the tell old. you that she's 24 hours into the job and I have no grow whatsoever for the British Conservative Party. I have no grow yeah. for Liz Truss because she says that Maggie Thatcher was her hero. So she completely yeah. gets zero out of 10 from me by saying that alone. But she yeah. has already... Um, reversed an awful lot of former policies that were in place. And she has now given, lifted the ban on mm-hmm. and given the go-ahead for oil and gas drilling in the North Sea. But yet, but yet yeah. we sit yeah. on our hands here. Look, she's, she's a real leader, Neil. This trust is a real leader. She's, she's giving $150 billion, uh, uh, borrowed to freeze energy prices in the UK. She is. You know? So people in the UK um, will know now exactly how much they'll spend for the next two years because exactly. it's capped. Yeah, it's capped at uh, 2500 It's 2500 less of £400 yeah. rebate. So no one yeah. in the UK, households now, I don't know about businesses, will pay more than 2100 regardless right, yeah. of how yeah. much they burn. Yeah, yeah. Isn't yeah. that amazing? Like, that, this is the first day in office that she says, I'm doing this. This is, this, she's, she's showing initiative, like leadership, you know. This is Liz Trust, and whatever we say about her, I, I don't care. But I mean, what are we doing here? I mean, there's nobody showing any leadership. There's no initiative, you know. Well, they're, they're it's, talking about it's, it's, throwing another 200 euro at us, like. I mean, yeah, we're bound down and we're, we're kissing Eamon, Bri- Eamon Ryan's uh, feet, you know. 2% party, party with 2% supporting the polls. And we're all suffering because of this crazy ideology. Yeah, it's madness. Yeah. So what the UK madness. have said is, in January, you will not be spending up to €5,000 a year. Yeah. You'll be spending yeah. a maximum of £2,100 a year. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I mean, your man there in the, in the coffee shop, uh, Dukes, Dukes, I mean, Dukes. €100 Euros a day, a day. It's costly. Yeah, can, can you imagine that? Yeah, because they have to keep their... Obviously, a lot of yeah. it has to do with water. It's constantly they're going, on oil. They're going all day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All so, yours a day. Can you imagine I mean, what it must be like in cafes in general and restaurants? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're all closed. They probably, they they probably close. will. They probably this goes will. on, you know. I mean... I heard Kevin Hurley here this morning from the CBA saying, OK, it would be a good thing to be able to have Christmas lights, but maybe we should turn them off overnight. We'd be <laughs> lucky if they turned them on at all, you know. Exactly. I mean, listen, uh, they had no bother in spending, uh, I think, 18 billion on COVID, like, and now, I mean, we're all going to suffer, we're going to shiver, and we're going to freeze, and we're going to have no heating and, and cooking and everything. And, you know, they're saying, oh, we'll give you 2 billion or something like that, you know. I mean, it's crazy, you know. All right, let's we get some more calls we, on it. We can't. Uh, somebody has to be, um, we need a list trust, actually. Yeah, but you do know she's borrowing that money and sons and daughters and grandchildren yeah. will have to pay it back, like. Yeah, but sure, if we all shiver to death, there'll be no grandchildren. Well, that's, you know? true. that's true. <laughs> well said, Sean, thanks for that. Just text on this. Could the government at least give us some hope regarding central heating oil fill for the winter? They know full well whether it will be a better price after the budget. Surely if they could give us a €250 euro voucher to everyone as a starter instead of putting useless money towards coal when it should be grants for wood-burning stoves to reduce pollution. Cezanne, uh, I think that climate change has taken a bit of a backseat now and people look at their bills heading into the winter. 
So 2020, open windows, sit far apart, separate rooms if possible. Now into 2022, they're saying everyone in the one room, close the windows and huddle together. Neil, they should just do a deal with Russia instead of trying to save Ukraine at the expense of our own people. Morning, why don't you tell the truth? The Green Party are loving this emergency because we all know that if they had their way, we'd be back in the Stone Age. Look at where we're heading. No talk about carbon taxes now, I see. And the media got the government memo, I guess. Uh, They're making it impossible for businesses to continue to trade. That's why massive multi-corporation companies will end up taking over. There will be no small to medium businesses anymore uh, and they'll be run again by who else uh, but the government. So there's a lot on that. Uh, And then many people saying, yeah, and as they get their increases and their uh, different wage increases as they have done over the last two years, everybody else has to suffer. And we will get more TDs. Neil, I heard you saying on the air a few weeks ago that Ireland's going to get an extra 20 TDs. I think it's 20, actually. Somebody said in the text, eight TDs. I think it's 20. Do we need, do we really need more dossers, twiddlers, twiddling of their thumbs and preaching from their high horses, telling the ordinary Irish people to save on their bills? That's an extra million when you look at the amount in their pension funds. It's a heck of a lot more than we'll ever get. If we ever needed anything, it's more doctors, nurses, GPs and guards. I can keep on going. But more TDs is something as a country that we certainly do not need. Text 0868104106. We'll pick it up after 10. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Just a final one then on energy costs. It's absolutely shocking to hear you talking about this crap on air. We needed to reopen our power stations. And yeah, well, actually, Sean just mentioned that. And put the green agenda on the back foot forever. Ryan has too much say in this country. We need to reopen our turf bogs. Start burning fossil fuels. We need to start taking the oil and gas out of our seas. People need to bring this country to a halt and we need to stop sending foreign aid abroad till this energy crisis comes to an end. We need to call a state of emergency. If this government doesn't do something now, we can see protests just as large as the water protests, but with a lot more anger. As when it happens, when people can't feed themselves or their families or heat their homes, it will, believe me, turn very nasty very quickly. Everyone is blaming Russia for this, but we can also blame ourselves, the Americans and Ukraine for this mess for trying to expand NATO onto Russia's doorstep. Thank you for that text. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. It is making good news. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> Not today. Tomorrow. Lovely day tomorrow. Make the most of it. I uh, hope you're well. Just wanted to highlight something very important in the hope that something will be done if you go public. Remember the other day I was talking about chemo issues out at the CUH? Well, I bet somebody in touch with me from the pharmacy department in the CUH uh, that says, uh, our team make chemo for cancer in the pharmacy department in the CUH. They make the chemo for cancer patients. We are seriously under-resourced and have been for a long time. This is the pharmacy department in the CUH. The unit in which we should be making these life-saving drugs should be an aseptic environment, which means that it should have a very high-level clean room. It is far from that. Uh, Neil, we do weekly swabs of the surfaces to see if any bacteria is present. Last week, we found a really bad fungus growing in the unit, and we had to shut it down. 
Uh, we are now having to go to the Bon Secours to make our chemo. I've been working here for 10 plus years and during my job interview, I was told that an upgrade to the unit was coming in the next six months. Six months. That's 10 years ago. It still has not been upgraded. The HSE and management in the hospital have been refusing to listen to us. We have been told to keep this quiet we feel that if this goes public, it might put some pressure on the decision makers and they will upgrade our facilities. We work extremely hard and take a lot of pride in our work. We want to provide our patients with the very best life-saving medicine. We fear that it's only a matter of time before our product itself gets contaminated. And if that happens, the chemo, which is designed to help these patients, will become a poison to them. The cancer patients of Cork and indeed Ireland deserve more. Please, please highlight this if you can. Um, I could say that I'm happy to do so. I'm not happy to do so. I have done so, but I'm absolutely alarmed and shocked that this could have been prevented. By the virtue of your email 10 years ago, plus over 10 years ago, you were told that an upgrade would come to the unit in six months. Over 10 years later, nothing's been done. The unit has now been closed down uh, because um, of issues of contamination. And it's quite obvious to me why there have been issues of contamination, because, of course, that upgrade was never done. Um, And they found this bacteria, a really bad fungus growing in the unit. And on that basis, then it shut down. There is another example for you now. I mean... You talk about nurses and doctors and people in healthcare not wanting to work in the Irish healthcare system. This is from the pharmacy department in this UH that makes the chemo. Now, I know the chemo patients have been um, relocated and their chemo now, I think, is being picked up and done, say, for instance, in, in the Mercy, perhaps the South Infirmary. I don't, I don't know about that. But that's absolutely galling to hear. Um, like, is there anybody taking any kind of, um, you know, control or responsibility for what's going on in our healthcare system. Um, if the pharmacy department in the COH has been shut, shut down. But yet they spend so much and waste so much money in this country. Thank you for highlighting that. It's probably an email that's worth reading out a second time, to be absolutely honest with you. Text 0868104106 if you have thoughts on that. We just go from bad to worse. And of course, this is all to do with management um, at all levels of management and those that are actually in control and the running uh, of our health system. If it were in the private sector, it just would not be tolerated. Um, In fact, you wouldn't be allowed to get away with it with regards to health and safety in the private sector. She wouldn't. Anyway, text 0868104106. Can I apologise to uh, Liz, who's been waiting an age? Liz, good morning. Um, hi, no apologies necessary. Um, you're very kind. So, you're very kind for holding, uh, Liz. But the quality of the phone line is fairly ropey. Can you hear me? Is it any better now? Yes, I can hear. Can you hear me? I can hear you a little better now. You want to pick up on okay. conversations we had yesterday regarding, uh, and of course, much of it had to had to do and centre around Enoch Burke, who is in jail uh, because of issues involving a court injunction about him going to about going to school and the things he will and won't do with regards to transgender students. Um, And you found some of the conversation yesterday offensive, I believe. Uh, Well, actually, unfortunately, I didn't uh, hear your show yesterday. Okay, Uh, okay. uh, But but it's uh, what what you heard heard of and a promo that you heard or something, wasn't it? 
Yes, exactly. I was listening to the breakfast show and a lady uh, just for a split second mentioned uh, comparing transgender people to fish and something else. And it just stopped me in my tracks. So I just thought I'd send a text to your WhatsApp number, but I didn't expect to be talking okay. to you. But, <laughs> so but, I'm but very you, nervous. You, no, you're, you're grand. You're just chatting with me about, <laughs> about how it affects your own family unit and your own lives. So tell us a little bit about that. Um, so uh, around two years ago, my child came out as gay and um, there was absolutely no issue with that. I was absolutely proud. I've been uh, pro-LGBTQ um, uh, community for years. I have many friends in the community. Um, and I was, you know, no problem. It is what it is. Yep. And I love him either way. Of course. Um, shortly after, he came uh, out as transgender. And I went to panic mode. <laughs> For the simple fact that it's a minefield and uh, it's a whole different ballgame. Um, it's very scary as a parent, uh, although there wasn't the issue whatsoever. Uh, I would support my child uh, even if he was a fish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Mind you, I was talking oh, with parents of sons or daughters, well, sons who had trans to female yesterday, and they did talk about issues of depression, anxiety, self-harm and suicide or risk of suicide yes. because their yes. their children really were struggling, yeah? You didn't hear that yesterday. Yes. We did have those conversations, yeah. Uh, sorry, I just got a call there. I'm sorry, can you repeat that? I'm so sorry. I'm just saying that we did get calls and we're chatting yesterday with parents of other sons and daughters who had transitioned. I think all of the calls yesterday were male to female and they had mentioned mm-hmm. the struggles that their son had gone through uh, before yes. transitioning, self-harm, anxiety, yes. stress, uh, suicidal risk, issues like that. Exactly. And I'm, I'm going to have to hear your whole show from yesterday. Yeah. And that's exactly what came straight into my heart. Yeah. Now, luckily, my child uh, is, uh, you know, strong. And uh, he was taught to that he could uh, share anything with me. So... I am a very accepting person. However, uh, my child has mentioned that there's another friend that is going through the same exact thing, uh, self-harm, suicidal tendencies and ideologies. Yeah. And I, uh, from the questions I had with my kid is because apparently the parents are not accepting. Yeah. And I understand that. I'm not here to judge anybody, but... It is a very scary procedure. It's very, very scary, scary for, parents. for parents. Yes, it is. Yes, yeah. it is very scary. And for me, I am very proactive. I went straight away look, looking for support. Uh, there's a, a support for families of transgender um people. Mm-hmm. Um, there is support also for uh, for. Uh, young adults and adults as well. Mm. Um, so, I mean, it's 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 scary for them. It's scary for us as parents. And and I believe could, that you could yes. ask you. Could I just get you, your your son? At what age did he start to have these conversations? Uh, Fourteen was, uh, uh, okay. I believe, when uh, he, when my son said uh, that he was gay. Yeah. 
And uh, one day I was uh, hearing rummaging around upstairs when he, he was supposed to be in bed. <laughs> and I snuck up and uh, I asked my child, what are you doing? You should be in bed. And he just blurted it out. He was trying on my clothes. And I was in, I went into panic mode um, because, you know, if we think that not too long ago, it was even illegal to be gay. Yes. Um, How did you react to that, Liz? What did you say? Uh, well, I, I was in shock um, first. Uh, and then my first reaction was, okay. Uh, and then I had to deal with my own emotions. Yes. Uh, yes. I left it uh, with my child for a bit. I contact went straight away online. Uh, spoke with a lovely lady uh, who actually had a, 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 a son, a boy, um, that went through the transformation and reassured me that uh, it's not as scary as uh, one might think initially. Okay. Uh, that alleviated my my fear, um, and um, and I went from there. And then uh, I started researching about hormones. Uh, you know, they have to go through all the the process because it's not like changing outfits. Uh, you know, so so did he ultimately been, go through hormone treatment as well? No, not yet, okay. because uh, we uh, we're waiting uh, to to start the process. Okay. Um, I'm curious as to what you actually. I'm curious as to what kind of a conversation a parent would have with with, with the son where he's trying on his, his mother's clothes. Would you say, okay, well, why, why would you say, oh, right? Are you, are you interested? Why why would you want to do that? Uh, how does that make you feel? Kind of thing. Um. I, to be honest, it's it was two years ago, uh, more or less. Uh, I just accepted it. Yeah. Uh, we had conversations yeah. uh, throughout. Uh, I remember one, initially, I asked uh, my son whether I could share, because I'm very close with my mom. That would be the first person that, would, uh, that I would speak to. Uh, he allowed me eventually and it went on from there. Yeah. But I think the first reaction is people are in denial. Oh, it's a phase. Absolutely, uh, because people will text yes. and have said that. In the, it's a phase. If you encourage it, it will be bad for him. And if you just let it be a phase, he'll, it'll, he'll grow out of it. Yes, exactly. And, um, you know, and, and every reaction is val valid, in, in my opinion. But my gut feeling said, this is not a phase. This is what it is. Uh, obviously, you won't jump into it because there's a lot of tests that you have to do. Uh, you have to be, uh, you know, analyzed psychologically wise. You know, all those things have to be done before you start the hormone treatment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a lot of thought that goes into it. Uh, should we wait? Is it the sooner the better? There's a whole, as a parent, interior conversation that goes on. But then... Well, what I, age can it, What age could a, could a child, I guess with the blessing of a parent, go through hormonal treatment? <laughs> To be honest, Neil, I, I couldn't answer that question because I, I'm yet to find out. 
um, I am pursuing a specific uh, doctor that uh, does the analysis uh, or the, uh, you know, the psychological tests. Let's put it like yes, that. Yeah. Um, you know, it depends from individual to individual, I think. I'm not sure. So I, I couldn't really comment on that because I'm honestly not fully aware of it yet. Mm, okay. So, okay. So you're well, well on your way on the journey then? Yes. And he's, yes. He's, We're, is he, is, does he yes. now refer to her as she? Uh, not yet. Uh, we have a, a, a name. Uh, there's a name that uh, that he picked out, and uh, we're on that phase right now. Um, and then I suppose the next step will be to get in contact with the relevant uh, professionals to, um, you know, to have them uh, tested and and all of those things. You know. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Is he happier now? I think I think he is happy. Um, yes, um, he seems okay. He's uh, lucky that he's, he can be very open with me. And uh, I think he has a couple of friends that are uh, in the same situation. Mm. Um, I'm very scared for this uh, other person that, uh, you know, is having suicidal mm. thoughts and self-harming. And uh, my child will not allow me to reach out because mm. uh, he's protecting uh, this person, which I understand. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it, it 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 is. I mean, can you imagine the strength and the courage for a young person? Adults, of course, need the same strength, but for a young person to come forward with something as huge as this, and then have people compare them to fish. No offense to that lady. Yeah, there was a story of a, a girl in Melbourne who has identified as a cat. And the school has allowed her to act like a feline and to and now to be non-verbal in the school. Um, and that's where that came okay. from, you see. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I don't mean to speculate. Yeah. But as I said, I wasn't by no means uh, attacking or undermining anybody's beliefs. But I'm, d- but I'm yes, just curious, yes. do, do we allow it go to that? Do we allow, I mean, do, when I say allow, I mean, it's not up to me to allow anything. But is it is exactly. it a healthy thing to allow it? Should it go that far where people can identify as an animal or a cat? or a fish well I think that would be somewhat extreme but then again I think that person might need a bit of uh, therapy (laughs) because many people who do text say just that that what is actually needed here is counselling and psychological intervention Exactly, exactly. No, and that's no, for, where for anybody, else. for anybody. People are texting to say that anybody who's born male, biologically male, mm-hmm. will always be male. Mm-hmm. And if they think they're female, they need help. Not, not encouragement. Uh, no, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, okay. That's, that's uh, you know, ridiculous might be a bit of a strong word, but... It's, it's so easy for people to jump into judgment, isn't it? Uh, if people were to put themselves in other people's shoes more, and that goes for everything across the board. Yeah. Not we're you know, this is we're talking about psychology here now. You know, just try to put yourself in their position for a second and then get information and then maybe have those silly comments. Yeah, walk in my shoes. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yes. Well, good you luck know? to you. Good luck to you and to your son. Thanks for sharing your story and thanks for listening. Thank, Thank you, Liz. for having All me. All the best. Cheers. Thank Take you care. so much. Have thanks a good day. Thanks to 086 Back after the break. 
Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. That crash at Burgess isn't killer was bad this morning. Very bad. But I've also been sent photographs. It is bad. But the photographs that I got from Tuesday night's crash are absolutely horrific. The damage done to two cars in particular on Tuesday night. How somebody wasn't killed in it is just beyond me. One car obviously hit in primarily into the back of another um, I don't know whether it was crossing a road or whatever but it caught the back of the car and the car that got damaged in the back has the entire back of the car literally driven in um, past the back axle into the back seat the other car then that was hit front um, took unbelievable damage to the front of the car you can see airbags open and everything how people survived that crash is absolutely beyond me I can tell you that for nothing uh, text 0868104106 fair play to Anthony on air yesterday morning the voice of sense nobody has a right to tell anyone else what they should and shouldn't think do or say I would have suspended that student for disruption in the class he's there to learn anything else should be secondary to learning in the sense that uh, the teacher himself uh, was in the right Enoch Burke uh, he was there to teach I think the teacher was right to stand up the rest of the teachers are happy to go along with this but you have to stand up for what you believe in kids now want to be called it and so on parents know how to talk to their children about these issues the government is pushing this nonsense on the school's curriculum and so is the internet i have lots of friends who are gay but i am disgusted at what's going on and how far it's gone we need to stand up to this as i will pull my kids out of schools like that parents need to wake up morning if someone can change their gender on their birth cert why can't someone change the birth cert themselves for instance if you didn't want to be born in a particular year or you didn't want to be a February child, can you not change your birth cert so that you can be 18 again in two weeks' time, says Pat, a former 56-year-old, soon to be 18. It's an interesting observation. Another one. How are you keeping? I'm just wondering. I never went to university, but if I identify as a professor, does that mean that people have to address me as professor from now on? This world has gone completely mad. They have special toilets in the secondary school where my child goes. The principal forces beliefs down the throats of the students. The steps in the school are painted in LGBT colors. Teenagers walk on eggshells now because there are so many transgenders in school. It drives parents and students crazy. We have no problem. People can do what they want but stop forcing it down our throats particularly in schools every day. Um, and many people then suggesting that at the age of six no one should be allowed out wearing makeup and nails um, whether or not you're trans, a trans six-year-old boy who's transitioning to a girl or not. Uh, one of your speakers spot on, if the ch- it's the children and their power trip parents who are running our schools now, especially primary schools. One of the teachers in our local school gave up their job because of parents who wouldn't stop interfering in the running of the school. Children have their parents wrapped around their fingers and are giving everything given everything they look for. Uh, It's actually hilarious hearing you absolutely making sure that you, Neil, don't get cancelled by constantly reassuring people that you're tolerant of the trans-gay ideology, whether you actually believe what you're saying or not. But you know damn well that this trans thing is absolute, total and utter mentalness. Um, thankfully, there are those of us that are going to fight it at every corner, says Dara. Richie says, uh, her six-year-old son on air is wearing high heels and makeup. Six-year-old girls shouldn't even be wearing high heels and makeup. 
This is actually a form of abuse and the sexualization of children. Morning, you read out a text from a listener about their six-year-old boy who wants to be a girl. They state he goes out in a dress and makeup with heels. Bloody hell, you wouldn't let your six-year-old daughter go out in makeups, na- makeup, nails and heels. The whole transitioning thing is just gone mad. Can you please tell me where it's all going to end? And just... One or two more. I need to get back to our phone calls. Uh, I think it's too dangerous in a child to be encouraging transgenderism. They are children. I believe you should handle it in a very different way. Like, for instance, children are inquisitive, but they change their mind all of the time. Uh, and one final one, the email about the six-year-old boy transitioning to a girl. Um, actually, it was an on-air phone call. Why is he wearing heels and makeup? I have three daughters and no way at six will they be wearing makeup or things like that. Maybe at home for a dress-up, but not going out as a six-year-old. People seem to like the attention their kids get from being almost like a trendsetter. My daughter, my friend's daughter, for the last year was living as a trans boy. This week, she has decided, after some research, she's now female again. Too much online crap, if you ask me. I can't go on because we're not allowed to have an opinion in this world that's gone completely mad. So thank you for those texts. Keep them coming. Text 0868. 104, 106. I want to go back to our phone lines because I mentioned earlier on this morning, I will come back to this topic, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of calls and texts on it, but I mentioned earlier on this morning that today is CAO Day and it's the day when first offers will be made to students who want to go to college. But one of the articles this morning said it actually will be a bit of a lottery for those that are looking for a college place in the sense that you might have enough points for your first offer or your first choice but you won't automatically get it. And the way that it would be decided would be by a computer lottery. And there was somebody else then on air saying to people, the advice to students is, if you don't get your first offer, take the second or the third, which makes absolutely no sense to me because you end up following a career path that you have absolutely no interest in. But this is a first, actually, when you're talking about lottery to be used to select students for many of the uh, high, particularly the high point college courses they would be the ones that are in high demand I suppose. Uh, Maureen Murnan is a guidance counsellor out of Bantry joins me by phone. Maureen, good morning. Hi, good morning Neil, so how are you? So a busy day for all concerned uh, but particularly the students who have a waiting game for another few hours what do, you, what do you make of where we find ourselves in? Universities using a computerised lottery system to offer college places Yes, yes, that's it. that seems to be the case, and I, I read the, the article from the Irish Times too as well. Um, really, what's happened over the last couple of years, Neil, you've probably um, seen it um, by, by speaking with people and seeing what's going on in the public arena, is that the points have been rising for the last number of years due to a number of things, really due to, first and foremost, there are more students applying for... Um, to the CAO, I think last year was the highest on record um, of applicants applying to the CAO. This year it's slightly down by it's about seven or eight thousand, but still, you know, there's the bones of seventy-five to eighty-four thousand people applying to the CAO every year. So that's one thing that's taken place, and the second that's taken place with the um, system between the accredited grades, the predictor grades, the hybrid system we had last year for the Leaving Cert. Really, what it means is the students are uh, um, getting points, and they're calling them inflated points, higher than they may possibly have normally had got. 
And what that essentially means is that, um, and referring to the article, it would mean that students who get the top uh, a maximum allocation of points, i.e. 625, may not be able to secure their um, top college preference place, given the fact that colleges have a limited number of places to offer students. And if there are too many students with the same amount of points, they do something called random selection, where quite simply it is computer generated and um, students may be disappointed to find out that although they secure their top points, they may not be in a position okay. to get a college Thanks for clarifying that. That explains it very well. But in the past, if somebody had got 625 or 550 or 575 mm-hmm. and they met the requirement for the course, would they automatically have got a place? Well, maybe not automatically, Neil, to be honest, but yes, you know, if we went back three or four years, the situation would have been a lot different. So yes, uh, you know, it would have been the case that most students would have got it. Now, we don't know still what's going to happen. I mean, the minister announced extra places up to 1,000 across the board in medicine in various different areas. So that will um, um, definitely help towards it. And of course, it depends on every year how many students are looking for medicine, dentistry, economics, science right across the board. So um, we'll see what happens when we come to a clock onwards today when the places become available. I heard somebody saying this morning, take the second offer or perhaps the third. Mm. Explain to me, if if somebody had a first choice, right, Um, and say it was medicine, right, they had a second choice and a third choice, would the second and third choice perhaps be something like law or a third choice be engineering? The point I'm trying to make Mm. is that the first and second, third choice, could they be completely unconnected career paths? They can be, and in some cases they are, okay? In some cases, some students might, if they're going for nursing and medicine, might list all the courses in medicine and nursing all the way through, and as their eighth, ninth, or tenth choice, put in law and engineering. And in some cases, they might go medicine first, law second, engineering third. So really just stay with that one, the medicine, yeah. law, engineering. Doesn't that yes. make it a completely utterly flawed system then? Well, I suppose what it is, at the end of the day, um, when advising the CAO, or sorry, students on the CAO to, apply, uh, to um, complete it, I will always say to put their courses in their level of interest. So, you know, if you are going for medicine, for example, you know, there are other routes into medicine that may not be the most straightforward route that we always know of. So, for example, you could do a course in health-related science, biomedical. So you might have that as your second or third choice, which would mean that you may not get your first one, but you can still get into your, where you want to go in a little, it may take another year year, two years, whatever, but in a more roundabout way, you can still get in there. And then some students might just decide, look, I'll put medicine or dentistry down, and if I don't get it, I'll switch to my second choice. So, um, and then really, your, your question there a minute ago, not, um, you know, do they accept or not? I will always tell students, today now, they'll have a level eight and a level seven um, choice, so both lists are, operate independently. So I'll always tell students to stay calm when the offers come out, look at them, weigh up the best one for them, and take their time before they make the decision. But if it's the case, they don't get their first round offer which comes out today and students must accept by next Wednesday. They could subsequently in the next remaining round offers that come out from the COB offered their first choice. So if they don't accept what they get today it could mean there may not be offered anything. So there is that slight um, 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 you know anxiety and uncertainty about it but it's certainly you know worth looking at. But my own my own experience of this now, mm. um, because I know many many kids and students who have gone through college, including my own, is a lot of the time yes. they go and they do things in college, or they might switch courses in college, or they might do their yes. degree or whatever. They, but they end up then doing something completely different afterwards, or they go, they have their degree and they might yes. do a master's and something completely unconnected. Yes. Surely, surely that's yes. that. Surely that's broken. That kind of that kind of model. Well. 
you know, it comes back to really at the end of the day, you know, the student doing the research in the course. And I always say to the student, you know, unfortunately, you know, the day of, you know, going into college and getting a degree and coming out and working in that all the way through is kind of gone. But not even so much gone. The opportunity, the flip side of it is there's much more opportunities. So I would have students who, yes, might go into engineering and might do, you know, a postgrad diploma or a master's course afterwards and do what they call a conversion course and switch into another area. And then I have students who continue, you know, after the three or four years in college and continue on in that area. So really it's going to come down to the student, you know, doing their research, picking what they believe is of best interest to them yeah. and carrying it to for the two, three, but four years. But it would not make more sense to take a year out after secondary school and maybe intern somewhere, have an idea as to what they would love to do for the rest of their lives, intern at yeah. a reduced salary, get the experience, an opportunity to test the water, then see if they like that as a career path and then go and do it in college. Yeah, absolutely. There's options too as well to students to do that. So, for example, some students that are getting their offer today are not going to college. You know, they made it, or they may be going to college and may decide they're going to defer their place and because they may like to do it, but they're not completely sure if it's the right career area for them. And in these circumstances, or for students who say they want to take their gap year or take the year out to find out is really this career industry for them, you know, I'd always recommend doing an internship, doing a post-leaving certificate course, PLC course. You know, that gives them a chance to try it out, see what they think. So when they go into their college course for their two three or four years you know they're absolutely sure this is the right area for them and you, this is where they want to go you're working with fourth years fifth years and sixth years aren't you down west along yes. right yes. Um, is, is it automatically uh, in secondary school pushed that students should go to college I suppose there would be um, 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 an ethos that you know that's where students end up why, why aren't honest, we encouraging trades or alternative employment careers well, I, I absolutely encourage it. I believe there's a place for everyone, irregardless if it's college or not. So um, students I've worked with in this year, we're talking CAO, we're talking PSD, we're talking apprenticeships. I've quite a few of them going for apprenticeships this year. Absolutely. College is only one route for where a student wants to go after. There but is it so the parents are pushing them too often to college, do you think? I suppose we need to be quite honest. I mean, there might be an expectation that when you've done the leaving cert, you might go to college. Whether it's the parents pushing or not, you know, you really can't say. But people would be of the belief that if you go to college, and it is true, if you go to college, you get a degree. You know, you might start, you know, you're going to study your subject or your area in more detail. There might be more progression. There may be more pay. There's no question about that. Having said that, do you know what I mean? Like if the likes of engineering or even in accounting, you can do that through an apprenticeship. You can do that through um, um, a college course. There's very there's loads of different ways to get to the end result at the end without okay. having to go to college. Okay, so two o'clock today, let the games yes. commence, I suppose, is it? Absolutely. I want to look at that way, yes. And I would say to all students, don't panic. You know, see what you're offered. Take your time to go through it. Weigh it all up and, um, and know there's always other options available. Thanks, Maureen. Lovely to chat with you. Thanks for simplifying <laughs> no things. Bother. Appreciate it as always. Maureen Murnan down in Bantry works with the students down in the secondary schools in that neck of the woods in that parish. Meanwhile, closer to home, up to Bruce College. And Omi Hall Landers was on the air last week with uh, Mick Mulcahy. Just want to touch base with him again because today, today is the day. Michal, good morning. Long time no speak. So hope you've been well. Very well, thank you, Neil. Good morning to uh, you and, and all your listeners. And, and as usual, knowing Bruce, you probably have uh, quite an amount of high achievers. Do you waiting on CAO offers today, right? Ah, yeah, Neil. I mean, we we the results are exceptional again. But you you know, as as you know, and, and many of your listeners know, uh, uh, you know, everybody can't be on their tiptoes, and and uh, we we were shocked by how good the results were. But they're hugely uh, inflated, so so they're actually, yeah, they, they are, probably yeah, don't represent yeah. what a normal year would be, apparently, I'm told, no? Well, 
Well, yeah, for us, um, if you, somebody said to me uh, uh, three or four years ago that 45% of the students in the school would achieve 550 points or higher, I would have said, um, you're mad. Yeah. Uh, and that's our average compared to uh, uh, considerably less than the national average. They're the facts. And what drove but, that up? Is it the hybrid model, was it? So, so this year, uh, uh, Neil, was the first year uh, in the last three leaving certs where students sat their leaving cert and there were no calculated grades. Yeah, it was traditional. In the previous two years, as many of your listeners and yourself will know, there were calculated grades and our school didn't perform as well relative to the national average. It was a redistribution of grades. It didn't happen this time. But how how and ever and how well they did and I'm delighted for them. They got just reward for the work that they put in. Um, You know, yourself and Maureen discussed about points and other options and as I pointed out on, on, on your show last year, last week with Mick, uh, over half the courses in UCC are now over 500 points. That used to be the way, no? Is that because no. of supply and demand then? Yes, and and I think it's important to say there are courses there that are very high in points and there are also courses that are, are lower entry. So the courses vary in UCC from 300 points, which would be entry into arts up to near maximum points for med and uh, dent and that's without even looking at Cork Technical University uh, so as Maureen said there are lots of opportunities for students and the good thing is uh, and I think a lot of the media focuses on high points but, but the uh, good thing is there are more opportunities now than ever before for I students. know that but I just want to dwell on a point you made you said that yeah. what did you say about 550 points there? Vast majority of courses in UCC? Half the, half the courses in UCC, when I look at the CAO cutoff okay. points okay. from last year, out of 60-odd courses, undergraduate courses, uh, in around 30 or 500 points or higher. So that's so, over so half of them are 500 or more? Yeah, or higher, yeah. So it could be and, 550? And that, yeah, that's right. And, okay. and when we see the Because 10 years ago, for, we were yeah. chatting about this this morning and... I never yeah. went to college. Kevin Galvin here did works on my program. He said 12 years, 10 years ago, he got 405 points for his leaving certificate. And that was yeah. enough for the vast majority of courses in UCC. It, it, would, it would have been enough for, yeah. I mean, 400 points now uh, would, would get him into uh, like the lower end of it. Maybe made those five or six courses, you know. Um, Good God. In, in, I mean, in, that is in, an in, astonishing statistic. Yeah, yeah. Well, people can look it up. If they go onto the CAO website, they'll see it there. Um, I'm looking at it in terms of a table of the cutoff points. And remember, the cutoff points are last one in. So if you have, say, cutoff points, say I'm looking at a course like Applied Psychology last year in UCC was 544 points. If, for argument's sake, there are 50 places in, in that course, um, the least number of points you need to get into that are 544. So anybody in it was that or higher. So the person with that, the lower end of it, probably hasn't a kick the, in the stamp. It's the last one in the door. Yeah, yeah it's okay. the last one in. Okay. Um, you know, law and French, 545. So again, last one in the door. Uh, nutritional science, that was in the 400s not so long ago. Um, last year it was 555. But, now, your, are yeah, but your model is very much college, isn't it? Well, our model is uh, students coming in and achieving their potential. So we we would have a vast majority of our students are going to go to a, a technical university or a university 
or an institute of tech, uh, or, or UK university, or, and, and some may or it may even go to um, European universities offering programs through uh, English. So Holland is becoming uh, a more attractive option for students to consider now as well. Yeah, and you are you are aware that we are educating many people in those professions and other, including medicine, just to go to Australia and New Zealand and Canada. It, it concerns me greatly that uh, our, our maybe we need to review our selection process for admissions for students into to higher points courses that are uh, involve a huge investment by uh, the government. So why doesn't that education. happen? If 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 we have cheap, relatively cheap to other countries, university education, why do we allow the system to be used by those who then go overseas and other countries benefit by their? Um, by their uh, education in Ireland. It makes no sense. I mean, surely there should be some sort of a contract signed. Absolutely. Uh, if you join the army, uh, or you join our defence forces and you become uh, join as a cadet, there's, there's agreements. Or if you, if you join in, in the regular forces, there's agreements and there's buyouts or opt-outs later on. That's my understanding. I think that should apply to medicine, um, dentistry, uh, maybe pharmacy. But there's another issue that's going on as well that I see and is a problem that has not been identified by the media. Um, there are students that will take high points courses in university in courses like pharmacy or occupational therapy and at the same time are going to repeat their admissions tests for medicine. And if they get an increased score in their admissions test for medicine next year, they'll add that onto their previous leaving cert and they may get into medicine then and vacate that place in those courses. And that's going on, and it's creating more competition. Oh, my God, that means we have less dentists because there's empty seats after year one. There's there's empty seats. I don't know how many, but I know what's going on, and it's going on in high points courses, whereas uh, in past times, before we had the admissions test, rightly or wrongly, students may have repeated their leaving search. That created heat and points, but now students are going on. They say, I've got as high as I'm going to get my leaving search. If I go to college and at the same time I reset the admissions test, I may, with that past evening cert, get a place in first-year uh, medicine and vacate a place in pharmacy or occupational therapy or speech and language therapy um, uh, or medical and health sciences in UCC. And, and who's going to take that place? Nobody, uh, and those that wanted it I couldn't get know. it at the time. Yeah, I know. I don't I know. know, yeah. Challenging times. A lot of stuff to do this morning, Michal, but thanks for taking the call and good luck to all of yours this afternoon at two o'clock with the offers. All right? Appreciate it. Thank you, Neil. Michal Landers at uh, Bruce College. Calls on the way. Text 0868104106. Hold on to Robert. I'll talk to him after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 0868104106. Gorks Red FM. And to the phone lines we go, Robert, good morning. Oh, hang on a second. Let me get my phone lines right here. It's on, yeah, he's on three. Robert, can you hear me now? Okay, that's not going to happen. We'll come back to him a little later on. It allows me an opportunity to catch up and uh, do a couple of texts and emails and what have you on different topics over the last couple of days. Uh, I texted earlier regarding my son, who is also transgender. He has never, because I was talking about how the how people are influenced in the online world, he has never been on any social media and we have always been very cautious of anything that he might watch. He also hasn't got any gen- transgender people in our family that he might be modelling. This is purely who he is and who he wants to be. I also didn't believe a four to six year old could know exactly what they wanted until it was 
my own son. He is happy and confident and living his best life now. But I can't explain my fear of what he's going to face in the future. So thank you for that text. It picks up on some observations that people were making with regards to, you know, whether or not social media is driving this, like your Instagrams and your TikToks and your influencers, or whether it might be something that he or she might see that they might want to uh, model is the word as you're using. Um, Enoch and his family were all homeschooled. Homeschoolers don't abide by any rules. They are taught to believe that rules don't apply to them and that they can do as they please. Of course, Enoch is the teacher who now finds himself in jail for not abiding by the court order. Love the show. No child of four or six or indeed anyone under the age of 18 should be allowed to even consider changing their gender. They are just not mature enough. That is just my opinion. Uh, Morning, listening to you talking about the teacher who got fired. You know, in America, they have cat litter trays in schools now for the furries. I'm reading this out, um, and I think we did some some checking on it. I'll come back to that in a second. Can you imagine that? They're in every toilet in the schools. It's disgusting. My partner's cousin was over in the States. She's 17, and she was telling me about how they bark or meow and wear leads and collars. How far are we going to take it before that's here? Most of those kids will change their mind when they're older. I was goth as a teen, and people thought we were weird. I don't dress like that now. It's all gone mad. I'm all for being yourself, but it's like a fad now. So the reference to U.S. schools providing litter boxes for students who identify as cats is an unfounded rumor. Um, We found that there were claims of these in many states, but investigating it, none of them were found to be true. So just for what it's worth. Uh, You ask where all this is coming from. I think a lot of it comes from the winner of the Eurovision a few years back. That would have been Conchita Wurst, uh, the drag queen who won the Eurovision for Austria in 2014. Uh, all All the fame that person got afterwards, I think, has encouraged others to come out of the woodwork. It's absolutely crazy to have children changing their gender at the age of four or six. And then one or two more. Will you please correct people that pri- they're saying that primary school stu- children having smartphones is not wrong? Get with the times. Their views are ignorant. Smartphones can have parental guidelines. For example, many items such as YouTube or certain apps can be simply blocked for our children and screen time can be limited. And personally speaking, my nine-year-old son uses his smartphone only for educational apps. The reason I know this is because I have a tracker on his phone called Family Link. And I can see everything. One or two more to the person that thinks their child is trans. I have an almost eight-year-old girl. And if she went around with makeup and heels, I'd expect people to stare at her too, as she's a child and not a grown-up. Thank you for those. Text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. Just ahead of the news, coming back, oh, just one or two things ahead of the news. We were chatting earlier on about whether or not anything will change if people protest. There is a cost of living protest planned for the 17th, which is uh, Saturday week. It will be on the Grand Parade at 2 p.m. You want bear that in mind if perhaps you want to be part of that uh, protest and that gathering. That will be Saturday week Grand Parade at two o'clock and one of the things actually that um, really brings home the energy crisis we're in is whether or not there will be Christmas lights uh, in Cork City this Christmas time and if so um, will they start later will they be turned on or off will they be off overnight as people are suggesting so we contacted Cork City Council who gave a kind of rather vague response they did response but rather vague 
I won't read out the whole thing because they're aware of what the minister was saying. Of course, Sam and Ryan is the one that's driving all of this about Christmas lights and the energy challenge. Um, and they said that they will take a balanced approach, which is what the minister suggests. And they say the Cork City Council would consider the minister's comments when we commence planning for Christmas 2022. So unlike Tesco, who have uh, selection boxes on sale, or Brown Thomas, who have uh, the Christmas shop open, um, Cork City Council haven't turned their attention to Christmas just let yet, but when they do, they'll consider the minister's comments um, with regards to the Christmas lights and everything else like that. So we'll watch and wait and see. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie, and you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show And the weather matters a lot today and and I'll tell you why by way of introduction You might recall uh, we, I spoke on air um, a couple of times over the last uh, year or so uh, with Ernest uh, Horgan um, and he was talking on behalf of himself and his family and certainly his wife Rachel about the loss and the death of their beautiful son Jimmy uh, Horgan, the Cork schoolboy who lost his life in a very tragic accident outside his school uh, not too far from Prez in November of, of 2020. It was absolutely brought the city uh, actually to a halt. Everybody felt their pain and their grief at the time. Uh, and I recall uh, chatting with him about the loss and I remember Ernest saying to me that he didn't lose just a son, but he lost his best friend as well. He was so well loved. And indeed, the um, emergency staff and the staff at the Mercy Hospital gave the family incredible support at the time. Uh, and on that basis then, last year, they held a fundraiser, a torchlit walk uh, from Lee Rowing Club to Blackrock Pier in honour of uh, little Jimmy. Um, and so many people turned up. It was incredible and uh, everybody bought little torches and candles and, and it was just, it was, it was a heart-stopping moment. It was just so close and personal. The family were astounded because the final amount of money that was raised through I Donate, proceeds going, of course, to the Mercy Hospital, Mercy University Hospital Foundation, uh, almost peaked 90,000, 90,000 euro donated by the people and the businesses of Cork. So that was... Um, Back in November of last year. And today, uh, there's a golf classic happening um, in Douglas Golf Club. And they started ting off earlier on this morning. And this is another fundraising event uh, in memory of Jimmy. Um, and, you know, I suppose a fundraiser too, as, as, as Ernest was telling me, to remember him and to celebrate his life. And also to raise money again this year to show gratitude to all of the staff in the Mercy University Hospital. Ernest is uh, at the golf club this morning at Douglas as people are teeing off to thank them for their donation and for taking a team and what have you. And he just joins me by phone. Ernest, good morning. Morning, Neil. First of all, um, how how are you coping with the weather? Everything all right? Nobody has issues Um, staying dry for you? Yeah, as I'm looking down towards Douglas now, Neil, it looks like it's clearing, I think. Um, I was saying to one of your um, staff earlier, Neil, that it's it's, it's it's hard to call it. Um, we're, we're looking at all different websites. Some are saying showers. Some are saying yeah, it's going to yeah. clear. Um, yeah. What so kind of a turnout, though? Uh, full. Um, <sighs> 50, 56 teams, I think it is. Um, and we would have filled it a couple of times over, Neil. Um, but, um, you know, it was just kind of, we did it on a kind of first come, first serve basis. So You could um, have filled it many times over at 500 yeah. euro for the tees. 600, Neil. 600. 
Yeah. I mean, what, is, what um, does that tell you of how people were touched by the loss of your beautiful son? Um, it's, it's like um, the, the walk near My wife are, were blown away by it, you know. Um, they just, we can't believe people's generosity. You know, everyone is coming out of, you know, the pandemic and everything else and business isn't great for everybody. You know, so it's, we're just, we're just Yet amazed. Yeah, support, it, you know? yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Ernest, do you, mind, do you mind me asking, I don't mean to upset you, but does it get any easier? No. No. No, it doesn't. Um, so, you know, if you kind of, you see people kind of moving on with their lives and, you know, kind of, as I see it, buddies now, like getting off the bus, coming home from school and things like that, you know, and it's, it's very hard for us. Um, but, you know, we, we, we do our best. We, I know, we, I know. We, we, we have four other kids and, you know, we, we, we've got a, We've got to do our best by them as well. I know, but you do observe everybody else doing their thing and you must yeah. wonder, you know, it must make no Why sense us? to you. Why us? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But the generosity of Cork people last year was just astonishing. And I know that there's an I Donate opened again now, isn't there? And any money raised, of course, will go to the Mercy Hospital who were so kind in their intervention in trying to save Jimmy's life. You've never forgotten that. No, um... So I've been working with uh, Deirdre Finn from the Mercy, and this has been a big help. I've never, I've never ever done a golf classic or anything like it before, Neil. So um, it's kind of unknown territory to me. So, um, so far, so good, though. I mean, I, I, I mean, I won't dwell on the prizes and the auctions that you'll have tonight, but it culminates with a big prize giving and and dinner at Douglas Golf Club, and well done to the club as well, incidentally. Yeah, I, I, the club have been superb. They've been very helpful to us. Um, and, and a lot of friends of mine have kind of rolled in behind me and, you know, kind of given up time and taken holiday days and everything else. Um, so, like, and then, you know, just the, the prizes that have been given to us from from different people or, you know, like yeah. we have a silent auction afterwards yeah. and like, people ringing me with, with different things of people I don't know. Um, a fellow rang me the other day. Um, he's based in the UK and uh, gave me two tickets to Tottenham Hotspur match, any home match in corporate hospitality to auction off today um, it is in a couple of Liverpool tickets a couple of home uh, games yeah, yeah I have um, the Leicester game and the uh, Rangers game in the Champions League which will be they'll be auctioned off today um, oh hang on I see so, on the list here you have premium, premium tickets to a Liverpool home Champions League yeah. match as well and you've got right, some it's, and it's I think you've got some Rory McIlroy stuff as well uh, yeah we do we've um, we've uh, signed flags from Rory McIlroy from we've the first the first major Rory won um, with the flag from that and signed by Rory um, with the Scotty Scheffler flag from the US Masters um, we've loads of kind of different stuff there's a round the golf a lot of the golf links there's um, it's, it's just, we're just amazed by yeah, young people I coming know. forward with stuff like that and I know I know. All in memory of your beautiful son, of whom I'm sure, and I yeah. know you're very proud. When you said that you didn't just lose your son, you lost your best friend, it really hit home to me when you said that as a parent, I have to say. I can't imagine the pain that you all carry. Can I just also thank you, finally, because I know you need to get back to the tea times to send people off, because you're the front ambassador for all of this. We've come up with a very nice giveaway here in an effort to try and drive donations to iDonate. Um, and you have given me uh, a two-night stay for two at the luxury four-star Castle Knock Hotel this weekend 
plus two tickets to see Garth Brooks on Sunday night. So many people would be interested in going to see Garth Brooks, but would love to stay in a hotel up there at the same time. And they're finding that difficult. So that's a great prize. And thank you for it. No problem. I think what we will do is we will I, I'll encourage people to donate to idonate.ie um, a okay. minimum of five euro to uh, Jimmy's fundraiser, your fundraiser on behalf of Jimmy, and then to send me a screenshot and then we'll pick the winner for the prize. Does that work OK with you? Perfect, Neil. Yep. OK. All right. I'll let you get back to it then, Ernest. Thanks for taking the call. Thanks Have so a much, great Neil. day Thanks today. Cheers. All the Cheers. best. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. So two tickets to see Garth Brooks this Sunday. Plus, a two-night stay for two at the luxury four-star Castleknock Hotel for uh, the 11th and 12th, which would take you into the 13th, the two nights, right? Uh, so you'll be going to the gig and back to the hotel, if you like. So all of that is sorted for you, for two people, a two-night stay, plus the Garth Brooks tickets. So, uh, for your chance to win and help the fundraiser in memory of the late uh, Jimmy Horgan, uh, donate a minimum of €5 euro to Ernest's fundraiser for the Jimmy Horgan Memorial Golf Classic, which is taking place today. The Golf Classic is is of... Is, is, is going on in itself. So I donate is the fundraising aspect of that. So it's idonate.ie forward slash event forward slash the Jimmy Horgan Memorial Golf Classic. Or you'll find it on a search at idonate.ie. You're looking for Jimmy Horgan. Uh, then when you've done your donation, send us a screenshot uh, via WhatsApp to 086-8104-106 or email your screenshot to neil at redfm.ie. Um, and do that ASAP and we will pick a winner in the morning okay first thing in the morning I'll remind you of that again this side of midday it's a lovely lovely prize and in its own way this prize then hopefully will generate some money that will go to the I donate for the late Jimmy Horgan that ultimately will find itself uh, find the money uh, going towards the Mercy Hospital Foundation who tried so hard to save Jimmy's young life and he passed away at the age of 13. Okay, so I donate forward slash event Jimmy Horgan. Thank you for that. And we'll pick a winner in the morning. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. So two tickets to see Garth Brooks this Sunday, plus a two-night stay, 4-2 at the luxury four-star Castleknock Hotel the whole weekend long. So donate a minimum of five euro to the fundraiser idonate.ie and we will pick a winner. You need to send us a screenshot of your donation, either by WhatsApp to 086-8104-106 or by email to neil at redfm.ie and we'll pick a winner in the morning. Somebody will win that prize for Garth Brooks and a two-night stay at the four-star Castleknock Hotel. You'll be helping uh, the Horgan family and indeed uh, the Mercy Hospital. For all of the business, text 086-8104-106. Huge response then with regards to energy costs. Every time there's any kind of a warning of a windfall tax on energy companies, the energy companies react by putting up their prices every time some muppet of a politician says they're going to tax them more. That's what Paddy makes of it. Uh, are this government thick, stupid or what? They show their hand time and time again. As soon as they announce the help to buy grant a few years back, the price of new homes miraculously jumped by an average amount, the same as the grant. Now they're telling us how many energy grants they plan on giving everyone. Watch the price jump again and wipe out the grants. They're paying their buddies in high positions in a backhanded way. Just cap energy prices across the board. Stop filling your pockets with public money, says Kevin. You are so right, 100% right. Now in the UK, they haven't capped the prices, but they've put a cap on prices 
which means that the government will take up the difference. People in the UK will have a guaranteed top amount that they'll have to spend on energy across the next two years. And that's as much as they'll have to spend. The government will pay the rest. I think that's incredible. I remember when I was a child, my grandparents lived outside Ballyperine and they recycled everything, for an example. They had a rain barrel under the downpipes at the front and back of their houses. This water was used for washing clothes, washing your hair, and you got a much better shine. Any food waste went to the hens and the cats. The light would only be used in the room you were in. And I remember lights out at 9pm. They used an open fire to cook and to bake. The electric cooker was mainly used in summer months when the weather was too warm to light the fire. But there were great memories of my nana and granddad Walsh. One or two more. The hard part of pricing is that when they go up, it becomes the normal. Um, That's right. They never come down. I know what you're saying. Um, When interest rates rise, it it should benefit deposits as well. Our government insists that anyone who comes here will be looked after. And in the meantime, there'll be no upper limits on those coming into this country. Uh, Is the full up sign no longer in use in Ireland? Uh, Morning, if people are up to date with their bills with Electric Ireland, ask for a budget plan. I pay a set amount every month for gas and electricity and rarely do I owe them money. I'm in credit for gas after the summer. Yeah, I suppose that makes sense because you're paying away during the summer the same amount. Yeah, makes sense to me, even though you're using an awful lot less. Thank you for that. Um, As far as I'm aware, every grant we get from Europe, no matter what it is, has a term built into it that drives the green agenda. We don't, uh, we, if we don't go with the green ethos, there are no grants available from Europe. So it's not all the fault of Eamon Ryan, Micheál Martin or Leo Varadkar. Well, maybe that's why the Brits got out of Brexit, huh? Text 0868104106 on that. Uh, pick up the phone, just like Mary did. Mary, good morning. Mary, can you hear me? Thanks for holding. No, I can hear you. Um, thank you so no much because we we've been chatting a lot about education and about college and going to college and whether it's the right way forward or when people are younger making the wrong college kind of choices. And then that got me chatting. I had wanted to talk to Robert, who I don't seem to be able to contact now, uh, on somebody who is you know going back to college but going at a later age, right? Yeah. Was that the was that was that the case with you? Uh. No, yeah. <laughs> it was a bit of a second chance for me. Right, okay, so um, explain. You have a second chance option um, later on in life, I suppose, after a certain number of years, I think it is. Yeah. But um, I went to college when I was um, 18. Right. And I did my diploma. Back then it was a diploma, a uh, primary degree, I think it is now, uh, three years. And then I, I worked in the, in the college I was in for a year. I tried to go back to college, didn't work out for me. Um, stepped away from it, got a few jobs. A few years, ended up making a family, uh, moved down to Cork. Did the college um, education that you pursued give you a career, though? It did. It did little bits. I did um, fine art, um, and I did bits and pieces here and there. Now, no career as such, but with fine art, I think you're kind of making your own path anyway. But um, yeah. I kind of had had children then, and I kind of went into the role of mothering. Kind of parked all that for a while, um, and then I, I, I actually. I don't want to be like I wanted to work as a mother I wanted to work um, so I went and I tried to do now I did web design for a while I thought um, did that was going to do some jobs there with that so it's been a bit choppy chippy choppy you know it's been a bit but are the kids reared now yeah yeah my son actually he's 18 tomorrow um, so yeah we're on job and then I've got a daughter she's 16 and what does that um, allow you an opportunity to do now now that they're semi-reared well, if they're ever reared that is 
Yeah, that's that's that was art. But now um, I went back to let's say now in 2015-16, I went back to study music. Um, I went up to the Cork Academy of Music and um, did a CE scheme there for a few years. Is that in the, in the North Holland? Yeah, in the Northman. You know the boys up there? I do. I visited once. Yeah. It's fabulous. You yeah. did. Actually, you walked past me one day. I think I was singing. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't talk to me then, Neil. I was very upset. I didn't see you. I was fixated by this band on the stage doing an Eagles cover of Hotel California and this young fellow on the stage doing a solo electric guitar riff of Hotel California. It blew me away. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember There's some that? amazing talent. There's some amazing talent up there, Neil. Oh, my God. There's some amazing talent. But, um, yeah, so that's what I did. I went up and I did my CE there and then I applied for college on second chance which was giving me an opportunity to go back and uh, go into UC, UC um, so I'm doing my degree now and I'm kind of taking my time with it as well like as mature So what will a music degree <laughs> what will a music degree allow you to do when you complete it? Loads of jobs like if you think of any kind of course that you could do in college you can get loads of jobs because it's, it's not always one option there's loads of Well give me a typical example then of what awaits you um, I was working there part time with um with the Cork Academy Music and Music Generation. Uh, I was doing some kind of work with them, with the kids in the band, band camps that they have, um, after school work as well. Um, and also I was working kind of online, doing some form making and stuff, using the web design stuff as well, kind of throwing that in there. Um, it can kind of give you loads of different, like obviously you can go down the same path, you can go down the obvious route of being a musician. And Can you play uh, anything? I'm learning. <laughs> I always tell everyone I'm still learning. I'm still in college. Uh, I've been a bit of like, you know, saxophone and piano. And sax player. I love the sound I lo- of that. <laughs> a I sax love player, piano player. I love it. Yeah. There's been people now they have gone through college um, and they've gone to join, join, um, do you know, bands like... <laughs> There's Cork Light Orchestra. Have you heard them? I've heard of them for a while. I tell you what, talking to you, <laughs> it's never too late. It's just never it's too late. It's never too late. I mean, I'm 42. Uh, sure, um, you're life, a young one. Go away with that. My life is starting again. My kids are getting <laughs> up and they're following me too. They're like, they're all into music now. What like, do they make a know? man practicing the sax at home then? <laughs> I don't practice it at home. <laughs> I try to, but uh, I do a lot of silent silent work <laughs> or no work. But I think you know that's not kind of where I'm heading. I'm I'm looking for a job at the end of it all. So um, good luck on the journey, you hear me? Yeah, I'm working with UCC at the moment with peer support as well. I'm doing some like presentation stuff for first years now when they come in. Um, I'll be showing them how to kind of use the online site and all that. Good, that's kind of interesting. So, do you know it's not all about. But music, even like you know, there's loads of opportunities even within being in the university. Yeah, know, never too late. Music. Good luck with it. Stay in no, touch, Mary. Never right? too late. Cheers. Never Take too late. care. Thank Take you. care. This direct there was because Bruce whether or not <laughs> sax playing piano player. Way too much pressure put on kids to achieve great results in the leaving certificate, whereas they have really got to figure out what they want to do, and they mightn't even figure that out until they're well into their twenties. But older people then are often dismissed when it comes to going back into education. And a texter said to me, "I have four kids, and I'm starting full time college this month." It is never too late. And Ash responded to that saying, it's never too late to return back to education. Mature students are everyone's favourites because they've been around the world and seen a lot more um, 
for themselves. I feel like sometimes they're forgotten how hard it can be to return to education. But when they do, they're given every support possible by their classmates because we appreciate how odd it must feel to be back in the classroom. (laughs) Which is asked probably as a younger student sitting in with someone maybe twice or perhaps three times their age. Never too late. I have three children working full time. I've gone back to college and I love it, says Louise. Tina says, I went to college in my 40s. I have a totally new career that I love. It is never too late to change your life. Karina says, the junior and leaving search are a load of rubbish. The only thing people get out of it is unnecessary stress. Some of the smartest people might fail and some of the less smart could fly through it. It proves nothing. Everyone should have equal opportunity and not be judged on the basis of an exam result. The way these exams and results make some people feel is just a joke. It's time to get rid of it. Laura says, I'm a mum of three in my final year of my nursing degree. I just wasn't mature enough when I did my leaving. It's the best decision I ever made was to go back later in life. Thank you for all those. And there's lots more besides, including calls. Karen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? Well, what was your path back? Well, I suppose, um, I mean, like anything, I, I kind of, everyone, I finished secondary school. You know, what would I do? Um, went on, did my degree. Um, and then actually, as you spoke about earlier, my degree kind of led to me doing something completely different. Um, and I went and I worked in the media industry for 15 years in London, actually. I despair um, of that happening to someone. I really do. I like, I mean, there I must know. be a better way that somebody can go to college excited about a career path from that college degree. Completely. I mean, but don't get me wrong, I, I don't regret it for a second. I absolutely loved, I'd studied government and public policy in UCC and it was fantastic and brought kind of, you know, my best friends into my life. So that was just amazing. So tell but me about I mean, the 15 years of media in the UK. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it was just, you know, a very, at the beginning, a very enjoyable kind of job, you know, um, kind of client, kind of lunches and um, you know, a lot of sort of presentations, kind of, you know, final kind of pitches. Um, but in the end, it really was, you know, when I actually had my boys that everything kind of changed for me. Um, it really made me realize that I actually couldn't continue with such a stressful kind of high intense job. Mm. Um, so kind of after 15 years, you know, of that a pretty successful career, I kind of found myself entering into the unknown and just kind of staring down the barrel of like, what 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 do I want to do? What's this uncertain kind of future? I, do, I don't know what I kind of want to do And how here. am I going to juggle rearing three and how also am I going to a juggle, career? Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, and where do, where does it even start? You know, how, how I was earning my salary. I don't, I don't have the money to kind of, you know, just quit. How do I kind of start? Um, and it actually was by chance, really, because in the end, it was my mom who came across an article in the Evening Echo last summer about... Um, uh, Regina Sexton's Adult Continuing Education um, postgraduate program in UCC on Irish food culture. Um, and I've always had a real grow for Irish food and its culture, you know, particularly Cork. And mm. um, I couldn't believe that something like that had, had actually existed. Um, you know, it was, it was scary, but, you know, such a big change. But with the support from my husband and, you know, kind of a few financial changes, decided to make the application and um, yeah I was a bit shocked that I got accepted so that was it after 16 years I was kind of going back to college with something I was hopefully going to love to do but first up um, you had to come back to Cork right well believe it or not I've only come back to Cork a month ago Um, so I actually did this remotely um, from from the UK 
So I did the first year remotely and that was always the plan to kind of like come back to Cork anyway. But, you know, Regina supports this programme remotely. Um, did everybody support that decision? And OK, so you did a lot of it remotely. But, you know, when you said I'm, I'm quitting media in the UK, yeah. did anybody say to you you're crazy or did they accept oh, that it must have been? An, did they? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely mad. Um, and, you know, as bad as it is, I had a lot of my kind of friends over saying, come again, you're you're leaving this great job to go and study potatoes. <laughs> and I thought, right, well, it's it's a bit more than that. Um, but you know what? It was just, it, it's been absolutely fantastic. It's, you know, it's, it's a phenomenal course, to be honest. You didn't tell them we grow the world's best potatoes, I'm sure. Well, I did. I did. Believe me or not, I'm absolutely tasting the best that's been back here for the past four weeks. <laughs> And where will that lead you to then once that course finishes? So look, to be honest, Neil, I'm still kind of really trying to work it out. Um, but, you know, one thing I know, uh, like I'm on the right track. I'm back in Cork, obviously, which is great to kind of be around the culture. Um, it's it's a fairly challenging, intense postgrad. Um, but, you know, I'm kind of excited to, to play some bit of a part in anyway, bringing Irish food culture to the fore. So... I don't know, like potentially something with researching or teaching. So very different to what my previous kind of career was like. But I really think we're just at the cusp of, you know, fantastic things for Irish food culture. So, and tell me, what yeah, do you make, great. just fine, wish you well with that, but what do you make of the changes since you went away and now? Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you've been back from time to time. Uh, I'd, I I'd love to speak to somebody who'd been away for, say, 20 years and never came back, you know, but do you see a change? Oh, I do completely. I mean, a lot of people will say to me, you know, what, what Irish food culture? What are you talking about? But the, the amount of food producers that we have here, just the flavor in our food, you know, people like the events, you know, talking about it. It's just it's just fantastic. So, yeah, it really feels feels brilliant to be back. It, there's definitely a change. Good to be home. All right. Best of luck That's on your journey. Enough. Thanks a million, Neil. All the best, Cass. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Karen Jones, text 0868104106. Actually, Barney, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Uh, age 68, you call yourself very much an oldie, returning to the classroom, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a classroom, I was the single male in a class of females, of 12 <laughs> females. That was the other bit of it. Did you find that intimidating, intimidating my man? Oh, only when it came to feminist issues. That's the... <laughs> that was... I found it best to keep my head down. Uh, at that zip point. your zip your lip on that one, I suppose. So, where were you up until '68? Doing what? Yeah, so I had a fairly varied career, but I started life as a with a doctorate in fisheries biology, pollution ecology, that sort of thing, and then I joined the ESB uh, fisheries division, and we grew that to become the fifth largest producer of salmon in the world. That wow. was in the 80s and 90s. And it was all offshore stuff. And um, so in the middle of that, I did an MBA on aquaculture and the interaction with environmentalists and that and how that impacted on um, on the development of the industry. Uh, it was a very controversial industry, so there was lots of media interaction at the time, you know. Uh, but that led me to become the ESB's Director of Corporate Affairs, wow. everything from brown bread baking competitions to radiation. And um, I was on with you a couple of times in uh, somewhat stressful interviews <laughs> over the years, <laughs> trying to defend the ESB. Head of Corporate well. Affairs in the ESB is a big job. <laughs> You're high, yeah, you were, so, as we say years ago, you were high up in the ESV. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
was certainly exposed anyway, that's for sure. And, <laughs> All right. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. and then, then I moved to become Director of Communications and Corporate Affairs with Unpost. And uh, I retired in 2016. And, you, um, you were not but, for going quietly into the sunset, no? No, no, because I was, um, I was always on a lot of arts-based voluntary boards over the years, you know. So, um, I, and well, when I had the time, I sort of said, well, maybe I should do something that would benefit myself personally. Um, and so, uh, so I, I found out about this course. Is the we were in the first intake and. Um, I, I, my my brain was very much wired into biology and science and the notion of reading history and archaeology and folklore and literature and then integrating them uh, just was not my cup of tea over it would the years. Be, it so, would be my cup of tea, but not yours, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I found this course was quite cross-disciplinary because it placed food at the centre of our daily lives, at the centre of social history and at the centre of culture and now at the centre of environmental discussion and debate. It, it, and that's, I just didn't think about food in that way, you know. So it, it made us, as Karen said, it was a fairly intense course, but, um, but doable really doable. It's up to you as to how far you want to go with each of the, the modules, if you like. Yeah. Um, but it also, it also, um, I'm vice chair of the National Gallery and <laughs> I found the study of food in, in art history juxtaposed with archaeology studies. That was fascinating to be able to look back at paintings from the 1500s and be able to identify the fish species in them and how the fish were caught and whether they were pickled or uh, all of that stuff. Amazing. Fascinating yeah, to do that. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and none of this would have happened uh, if I hadn't done this course. And um, I, do, I really missed it when I, when I finished. Um, so I'm, I'm just about now to go back and do a, an MA in gallery studies, which is, you know, how museums and galleries are uh, in UCC, how museums and galleries are set up and run and why they're, why they're doing what they're doing. You I, know. Know, I and, mean, um, I think it's amazing because I, I have a buddy actually who in later life who also would be in well into his 60s and he went back to UCC and I think he's just finishing a master's in Cork history, specifically yeah. in Cork. And he yeah. has had the most enjoyable three years of his life doing it. Oh, yeah. I can tell you now during the lockdown... Uh, it was. Uh, it took. Uh, I wasn't looking at the four walls. That's for sure. Yeah. I was, uh, yeah. I was. It, I was well into this stuff, um, and it was great to have it during yeah. that period. So, because like, so, so like UCC and college is not just for kids. I mean, you got students upwards, nearly eighty years of age oh, yeah. there, and beyond eighty, yeah. apparently. Yeah, it's amazing, and and it it really does. Like I was looking for. Um, a guided tour through time and space on everything to do with food. And, uh, and I got it. <laughs> and I never would have got it if I hadn't gone on that course, you know. So. Well said, well said. Yeah. Good yeah. to catch up all these years later, Barney. Well done in the world you're living now. <laughs> Thanks very much, Neil. Cheers, my man. Take care. Barney Wheeler. Bye. Debbie, good morning. Morning. Now, you left school before the junior or the leaving cert, probably the inter cert at the time maybe, was it? It was, yes. Yeah. Why did you do that? 
My parents were travelling to Holland at the time because my dad's an electrical engineer to start a new job and I didn't want to be left behind with, uh, with friends were there so I decided I'd go with him and uh, maybe pursue work over there which didn't work. So you never finished formal education if you like? Never did, never okay. did. So what did you do then for all the subsequent decades? I did work a bit and then I became mother and then became a family carer. But you had, a, you had, a, okay, fair play, well done. But you had a particular gras and that was art, was it? It was art. Okay. My, dad you, always, my dad always told me, baby, you're never going to make a career out of art, which I was mad. My mom wanted me to go on, continue on with that. But my dad just put his foot down and said, look, you're there off getting a secretarial job or mm. whatever, mm. anything that would bring money. You know, but art is not the, the way to go. Did your dad feel that it would never put a roof over your head or bread on the table, I suppose? He was, exactly, in his yeah. own way, was just trying to look out for you, I suppose, right? Yeah, he's very staunch in his opinion because he's been working all his life since he was 10 years of age. But eventually you decided that it was a career or at least a passion that you wanted to follow, was it? Yes, I've been doing art most of all my life. I've even continued on doing two more mosaics out in the garden there, which I'm trying to finish off without success with this weather. But was, is, it, is it when you were 55 that you really started to do it seriously? Seriously, I am. Um, a couple of people have told me, "Look, well, Deb, you're actually very good. Why don't you go into college and make a living uh, into art, into college, and make a living out of it?" And did you study mosaic? Because I have the most beautiful mosaic pathway here in front of me. It's just divine. I, it's, I think it's a garden mosaic path. It is. I follow through ideas through Facebook and Pinterest. Any apps any books that I can come across on Mosaic and just worked out my own design and how I was going to do it. That is is slow, patient, tedious work, is it? Probably very enjoyable. but That took me three days to do. Is that all? Nothing, yeah. (laughs) It's incredible. Can I share this photograph? You can, of course, yeah. It's absolutely glorious. I would have thought three weeks or three months. No, definitely, no. You must work at a fair clip. And where are you based now? I'm based in Ballancolic. And are you doing work for commission? No, no, no. I haven't had anybody come up to me and say, do you want to do it? Would you do it for me? But I wouldn't mind. (laughs) Of course you wouldn't mind. You're good at it. Yeah. It's never too late to start making money from your passion, you know. No, I suppose it's not. I wouldn't. I would, a couple of bob would be handy now these days. <laughs> yeah, you should get somebody to help you with a website or with a with an Instagram page or something. You know. I have to see if there anybody that would help me would voluntarily help me at the moment with that because I'm useless with technology. I'm only good with the phone. You know. But well, you're good with your hands, girl, and that's a great start. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I'm going to share. Since I was four years of age. And do you regret not having done it fifty or sorry, forty years ago? I have. I've literally regretted. I've joined a little course 
over in Ballancolic, in Ballancolic but it's stopped now because they have no uh, tutors to do it. I know you have regrets that you didn't follow your passion way those all those years ago, but at least you're doing it now. I am. I continue to do it as long as the weather holds out for me, you know. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, you're a lovely person. It's lovely chatting with you. I'm going to share those photographs on social media. And uh, do stay in touch, you know. I'm just, yeah. I'm just, I'm just wondering. I'm, I'm quite sure there must be some organisations that can help startups like you in the art world, you know, or people if who, who you are don't creative. Mind if somebody passes you a message, of course, you pass it on to yeah. me of where course. I can go. Of course, Debbie, I will. Of course, look after yourself. Cheers. Take care. Thank you very much. Uh, Regina Sexton heads up the UCC Adult Education course. Actually, joins me by phone. Regina, good morning. Uh, good morning, Neil. Thanks uh, for having me. I know, and there's loads of texts as well. Never mind the wonderful conversations on air. She's lovely, isn't she, Debbie, at 55 years of age, or indeed uh, Barney at 68 years of age, eventually deciding, you know, because be, it's kind of daunting to think about going back to college or going to college in later life, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I suppose what you have there is, uh, I suppose you have the start and the finish of, of kind of an educational program for, for students, you know, and this is what we deal with, uh, Neil, all the time. Um, I, I work in adult continuing education in UCC and all of our students are, uh, you could say, mature students. We, we, we prefer to call them adult learners. And um, we're very, very familiar with the whole, I suppose, the, 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 the whole process that students are kind of encouraged to come back to education but they, they very often feel extremely anxious, anxious. And why are they anxious because they're in the they're in the same class with people much younger I wonder yeah that initially I suppose there are all of these anxieties that are imagined I suppose first of all you know before before they take that step so there's a whole sort of quotient of imagined anxieties like you know I'm not able for this. I might have had a bad experience in the past. Um, I'm going to be very vulnerable. I might be with younger students. I might be the oldest in the class. Will there be exams at the end of it? Exactly. And how am I going to do that? Because I've never, I haven't done an exam for 15, 20 years. I remember an exam I did and it was a really bad experience. And I suppose what I would say there is that these are all very, very valid um, uh, thoughts and anxieties that people have. But what we try to say to people, and this is impossible, I suppose, to get through until they come through that process of returning to education and they will achieve at the end of it. And I suppose that's what really keeps us going is to see people coming from that point of vulnerability, sensitivity, uh, apprehension, and to see them on a graduation day with their families and they're holding up their certificates and their diplomas. And yeah. that is really, it's such an achievement for people and they are empowered by this process. And of course, we're delighted then as well because we always knew that people have it in them. If there is that hunger to return to education, we are there first of all to, to recognise that, to encourage it and support it. And adult learners are a different kettle of fish altogether. They're very, very different to the, um, you know, the undergraduates that are coming in maybe after the leaving cert and mm, so on. Mm. If they're brave enough to take that first step and they find themselves in one of our programs in UCC um, and then they're supported and so on, what we find is that they're a very different type of student. First of all, they probably recognize the opportunity they have. They're extremely hungry to learn yeah. and to achieve. Yeah. And, you know, it takes a, 
it takes a bit of time. It takes maybe for the first assignment to be completed and their results and their feedback to come back. And then the penny drops and they say to themselves, I can do this. Yeah, yeah. I can do this. And tell me, I have the right to be here. Yeah. And, and is there, gonna make and is there a place for everybody? There is. And I suppose we But not in every course, surely. Oh, no, no. And I suppose what I was going to say in that respect is that we have, um, we have various different categories of courses. So we have a whole uh, program of, of short courses, which are, we've, we have 30, 38 of those on offer for beginning now in, in, in um, late September. And these are short courses that are run for six, eight, ten weeks. There's no exams. And they're sort of areas of, you know, personal interest, uh, leisure leisure type courses or maybe subjects that people were always interested in and they want to go back and they want to kind of uh, experience an educational uh, environment with something they're interested in like genealogy, art history, history. Um, but we also have courses like life and business coaching, constant communication, which are going to impart skills to students. And these are very uh, relaxed learning environments where there are no exams. Uh, they, they, they come in either to UCC or online, depending on what delivery mode we have. Mm. Um, and they kind of experience an educational environment. And then they meet other people. And this the other, I suppose, the other side of the coin is that there's also a social dimension to education because they have people, peers, that they can learn from. There is a situation that you, 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 you draw attention to at the top, like, will I be going back and I'm 60 and there are all these, these young people mm. there. Mm. And yeah, that's what we do. We have these mixed groups, I suppose what we call it in the kind of the lingo is, is what they'll experience is cross-generational learning. And that's fantastic because you have somebody coming. And, and also the other point, I suppose, is that education is no longer now sort of the, the chalk and talk that we used to have as, as, as children, perhaps the memories of going through, through school, uh, maybe a generation back. It's a very, very different environment where it's sort of negotiated learning, where, you know, you, you have somebody there who's uh, facilitating your learning, but we also value the invaluable role of students in, in, before us because they have contributions to make, and especially for an adult learning uh, group of students, mm. they have a life experience which they're grafting onto their acquired learning. And what that fusion and... and, 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 and um, uh, that fusion of life experience with new knowledge gives us learners that would, would really take you back in what they can achieve, how they develop their critical thinking skills. So if somebody and listening to me right now or listening to us converse, chatting right now, anywhere between 20 and 80 years of age, and they want to seize one of these opportunities, how do they go about it? Well, the first thing they could do, I suppose, is, is to visit our, our website online. Even if you just simply Google UCC Adult Continuing Education, that will bring you straight into our site and you can see the range of courses that we have there. They start from short courses. They go up to sort of accredited courses then where you, you know, you, 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 you receive certification from certificate courses, diploma courses. And we go up to master's level um, in adult continuing education. Oh, chalk it down. I have a chap, a buddy of mine, who did that for specifically, I think, was there a Cork history course? It was an incredibly... No, yeah, there is. That's a fantastic programme through the history department. It's an MA in local history. That's I, I, the I, I one. I've taught on that course, actually. That's the and one. There, 
they're a brilliant group. They're fantastic. I was in with them. And, and you know, I suppose for us as well as the teaching end of things, going into a group of adults, mature adult learners who are there because they want to learn. Yeah, it must be it's an incredible fantastic. vibe. Yeah, it must it's be. It's fantastic. Yeah. And it's great. And we have a great laugh. And, you know, we have social outings and all this kind of thing. And then you see them achieving at the end of the day. It's absolutely fantastic. Well, listen, I'm delighted to have had the opportunity to chat with you. So um, search through the UCC website then for the next stage, which would be UCC through the adult education courses. Regina, thanks Um, so much. Thank you. You're you're welcome. And thank you very much. All right. Out of time for now. That's Regina Sexton from UCC. Go check it out. It's never too late. Be brave. Take that first step. Just before I go, can I just say one of my conversations earlier on was Debbie, who really is very talented with her hands particularly with regards to art and mosaic uh, we've already been contacted with somebody who would like to help Debbie uh, to work on social media and work on getting the message out for her as to how good she is at what she's doing to push her on in the next stage of her career so that's great news uh, for Debbie and we'll get that person in touch with the Debbie they are there and they would love to help can I just remind you before I go uh, that tomorrow we will draw the winner two tickets to see Garth Brooks this Sunday plus a two-night stay for two at the luxury four-star Castleknock Hotel for the entire weekend. You'll go to the gig and everything and stay in the Castleknock. And this, of course, is a fundraiser that's going on at the moment, which is also um, taking money through idonate.ie in memory of Jimmy Horgan, who died tragically a couple of years ago in an awful accident, uh, and he's going home from school from Prez. You might remember it. Everyone in Cork was absolutely traumatised and heartbroken. And of course, his family uh, live with his memory, of course. Uh, and Ernest was chatting me, with me on the air. So uh, donate five euro, a minimum of five euro uh, to idonate.ie forward slash event forward slash the Jimmy Horgan Memorial Golf Classic. Take a screenshot of the donation via WhatsApp on 0868104106 or email your screenshot of the donation to neil at redfm.ie and we'll pick a winner in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.